good morning. It is a Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, and uh, as you'd imagine, it's going to be a little bit of a different episode of Glenn Clark Radio, as um, we are, of course, celebrating the life of uh, the one and only, the legend, Brooks Robinson. So we're not going to do Would You Rather Wednesday today. That'll be back next week. We had a couple of things that we weren't able to... You know, just the, the nature of only having a few days. At the end of the show today, we will give you segment one of the Tyus Bowser show with Michael Pierce. That's how we'll finish the day. Um, we had planned to have uh, a visitor in the studio today, and we'll still do that. Um, but aside from those things, today is going to be about Brooks Robinson, because today should be about Brooks Robinson. And if you're saying, well, that's what they're doing over at this place and over at 105.7, that's what the entire city should be doing. So, you know, that that's that's where we are. Sometimes something happens and occurs that is the most important thing and it's worth sort of stopping as a city and reflecting and sharing. And that's what we're doing today here on GCR. Um, I still have to pay bills, so I will tell you that today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department, who have a hiring event coming up in October, October 28th, at the Public Safety Building on 700 East Joppa Road in Towson, where you can complete multiple parts of the hiring process, take the written test, the agility test, and any information that you want to find out about perhaps changing your career path with the Baltimore County Police Department. There will be members of the a great opportunity for you, great opportunity for you, great opportunity for you, great opportunity for you, great opportunity for you to uh, to find out more, to learn more, and to be uh, as educated as you possibly could be about making that type of career change. In addition to that, it is a community event. It's a trunk or treat event and an opportunity for your kids to get some candy in a safe environment. 410-887-4584. Join Bo, Scott Garso, Scott Garso, Scott Garso, Scott Garso, Scott Garso, Kenny Singleton, the author Laura Lippman, who actually introduced me to that song that you heard coming in, in Grandpa. This for a couple of days. Still be doing this for a couple of days. Still be doing this for a couple of days. Still be doing this for a couple of days. Still be doing this for a couple of days. Still be doing this for a couple of days. Still be doing this for a couple of days. Not shutting down the shows. But we'll still probably be talking about Brooks Robinson for a few days around here. So I'm sure during the week you'll see some more things pop up and you never know who might get back to us and we'll see if we can't uh, squeeze them in. Brooks Robinson. Brooks Robinson. Brooks Robinson. Brooks Robinson. Um, I, I shared a couple of things last night. Not not ever chose to save for and chose to save for and chose to save for and chose to save for here. I was talking about with some folks who came out and joined us for the Tyus Bowser show last night. Um, I uh, I was unqualified for the first job that I had in radio. I had been working as a game day helper, essentially, for the PR department at the University of Maryland, and they had, they had you know talked to me about how. They had a new radio partner in Baltimore. They had switched from WBAL to CBS Radio or Infinity or whatever it was called at the time. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't think there was enough coverage there. And so one day, out of the blue, I reached out to someone I knew, Maynard, at 105.7. And I said, 
hey, I've been working with Maryland, and it feels like there could be some more coverage. And Maynard said, great, when do you want to come on? And I said, what? He said, next week, you want to call in before a game? I said, sure. And so for a little while, when I was 22 years old, on the day of basketball games, I was calling into 105.7 to preview the game. And at some point, like the University of Maryland said, well, you know, technically we never told you that you could like say that you were representing us. You're just a game day employee. And 105.7 was like, well, I thought you were representing Maryland. And so eventually the folks, the powers to be at CBS Radio said, well, why don't we hire you? And I said, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. But I was completely unqualified. I mean, I, I, I had been making phone calls for like a, a few weeks at that point. I wasn't qualified. I was, of course, part of the Ed Norris show with Ed and Maynard. And I'd say two weeks into the job, I get a phone call. And I, I didn't recognize the number, but, you know, I, like at the time, this is still before we would ignore calls from numbers we didn't recognize. I picked it up, and I, I heard a voice, and it was, uh, Glenn, this is Brooks Robinson. And I said, what the? And then you woke up and... Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, I am to understand that someone else, someone who worked at CBS Radio had given Brooks my information. Brooks at the time was working with the York Revolution minor league baseball team. Glenn, I'm the... 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 Glenn, I'm to understand that you're the person that I need to talk to if I would like to come down and spend some time telling your listeners about the York Revolution. Yes, sir, Mr. Brooks. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, I had met Brooks Robinson before that, but as a, you know, as a as a fan, as a as a kid. And um I, we arranged it and he said, "All right, I'll come down and I'll see you all." And so the next week, here not even a month into my job, we're on the Ed Norris show, and sure enough, Brooks Robinson comes down to join us in studio, and we have a wonderful time. But I need to I I hope that no audio of this interview exists because I I was not good. <laughs> I was not qualified for the job that I had. And all I wanted to talk to Brooks about was how much my father loved him. <laughs> And how he had signed this this piece of artwork for me when I was a, a a wee child, because my father went and met him at a Lions meeting, Lions Club meeting, and I was just utterly in awe. I mean, it was it, I can't I can't even begin to describe it. I I you know if I heard it today, I'd be mortified by it because I was incapable of having a. All it was it it really was the Chris Farley show from Center of Life. Remember when you played baseball? That was awesome. <laughs> I was so enamored with being in the presence of Brooks Robinson. And afterwards he called me again. The next day. He called me. 
I, I came to find out later that that wasn't actually normal, that he was more of a letter writer and an, ultimately an emailer than he was a phone caller. But the next day he called me again. He called me and said, you know, uh, Mr. Clark, I just want... And he called me Mr. Clark. Mr. I was 20. I was 22. I, I remember it so well. He called me Mr. Clark, which makes no sense. At least once. Maybe he didn't do it both times, but I, I, I utterly remember being floored. Maybe it was before because he didn't. He hadn't met me. Mm. He didn't know who I was. Thought maybe you were right. Maybe he assumed I was an you adult. You were supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I wasn't a chucklehead. Um, that had 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 lied. And I didn't lie, but I had sort of cheated my way into this position. That's not true. It's, I didn't cheat, but you know what I mean. Um. He called me back and he said, I just need you to know how much I enjoyed our time together yesterday. I I was in tears. <laughs> like I was I, I didn't know what to say. Um, I never got to watch Brooks Robinson play baseball. You know, I was born in nineteen eighty three. Brooks Robinson's career ended in nineteen seventy seven. By the way, everyone of a certain age knows the exact years. 1955 to 1977 that Brooks Robinson played baseball. You know, I I don't know why. I couldn't tell you the exact years that Eddie Murray played baseball or Frank Robinson played baseball. I guess I could with Cal Ripken, 1981 to 2001. Like, I guess I could do that. But we all know the exact years that span Brooks Robinson's major league career because it was indelible. And losing Brooks Robinson... It, it we we had been made aware, you know, Stan couldn't make it in today. Stan will be here on Friday, and Stan, I think a lot of people know, was very close with Brooks and was still regularly going to lunch with Brooks in Brooks' later years. And, you know, Stan would tell me about Brooks's health, and, and a lot of us knew that this was coming. And our sadness is is certainly in part because of Brooks because we lost a titan, we lost a hero, but it also feels like we lost a piece of our soul. Brooks Robinson was in so many ways what tied our community together. At a time, John Unitas was. But as we talked about yesterday with Josh Charles, baseball, the inherent nature of the everyday aspect of baseball creates a romanticism that's unparalleled. It's part of our life. It's, it's our company throughout a summer. Brooks Robinson was our company for 68 years was an indelible part of our, of our lives. We, there's two things that jumped out at me. Everyone in this community was able to share a picture that they had with Brooks Robinson last night because everyone in this community had an interaction with Brooks Robinson if they wanted to. He was ubiquitous. He was everywhere. We've joked uh, a couple years ago I mean, literally just two or two years ago. I don't remember what it was. We we did a uh, a charity event, Pressbox did, at uh, Citron. And 
who would walk in but Brooks Robinson? And I said to Stan, oh, you got Brooks to come out. Stan said, no. No, not at all. He was just here, saw that we were here, and decided to come over. And not only did he decide to come over, he then spent the next hour and a half approaching every... He, he was just there to have dinner. Into his 80s. And instead of going home, he just walked around the room with all of the folks that were there at an event and let them cry and tell their stories and hug him. And and he had no reason to be there. But that was Brooks Robinson. When we use the word kind, we're not doing it justice. And I mean it, I don't think Mr. Oriole does it justice. Because... In, in so much, he was Mr. Baltimore, he was Mr. Maryland, he was Mr. Mid-Atlantic. Brooks Robinson was an enduring presence in our lives. As a baseball player, as a broadcaster, as a businessman, as a friend. As someone who rarely said no. Who was available for almost any event. Whatever it was, Brooks would be there. Every single one of us has stories. Everyone. And I get I get emotional. Because it's the part where you talk about your dad. And to me, the biggest thing is he was the tie between fathers and sons. Of course, the, the most realistic way is because so many of the people that you know are named Brooks. It's, it's not a joke. There was an event celebrating one of Brooks's birthdays, maybe his 70th at one of the theaters in town, and one of the really uh, special moments was they had collected like 100 people who were named after Brooks Robinson and brought them all up on stage together with them, and it was a really special thing. Fathers would name their sons Brooks. My father went out and got me an autograph when I was seven years old. I didn't watch Brooks Robinson play, but that's what Brooks Robinson meant to my father. And because I understood what Brooks Robinson meant to my father, I knew what Brooks Robinson meant to me. And ultimately, through my own interactions, and I had many over the years, I was extraordinarily blessed. I don't want to pass it off as though we were friends. I don't want to lie. But I was able, for many different reasons, to have tons. But he meant the same to me. So much so... I have lots, I, I have been given lots of memorabilia over the years. I don't know where the majority of it is. Like, I, I hate saying, I have a pair of boxing gloves signed by Sugar Ray Leonard, which is like, a, it's really cool. I don't even know where they are. I'm not a memorabilia guy. It's not my thing. I'm not a possession person. It's, it's weird. I would prefer to have a, a less expensive car. I would prefer to have, I just don't like possessions. But this, this autographed artwork that I have 
uh, Brooks Robinson hangs outside my office at my house. It's the, it's the singular piece of memorabilia that I display in my home. The one. The only one. Because that's what Brooks Robinson meant to me and to my father and to our city. And we're going to celebrate him this morning here on GCR. Um, uh, first up, friend of mine, um, a former Orioles pitcher, and of course you uh, see him with Stan and Luke every week at uh, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Are you telling me to hang on? Oh, okay. We lost him apparently. My apologies. I'll tell you real quick because this is going to be difficult this morning to try to do commercials. I'll tell you real quick that uh, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Former Orioles pitcher, and again, you see him every week with uh, Stan and Luke. He is our friend, Mr. Ross Grimsley, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Ross, it's Glenn. Uh, I, I really wanted to catch up and not to talk about Brooks passing, but um, it's good to hear your voice, my friend. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. Not a problem. I appreciate it, buddy. How you guys been? Everything's been all right, man. You know, it's been a it's been Great. it's been a really good summer, as you would imagine. Um, in Fantastic, guy. Right? I've been down here. I get to see a little bit of it, but uh, uh, and it's been it's, it's been pretty exciting, and uh, so happy for uh, you know those young guys and uh, and the. In the city, the fans. This is something they've waited for for a long time. It's finally here. Uh, you um, you arrived in in Baltimore, and um, you were at the tail end of Brooks Robinson's career. Russ, can, do you remember the first interaction that you ever had with him? Oh, I, 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 I several. <laughs> you know, it was he was you know getting first of all being traded from the Reds uh, to uh, to Baltimore was. Uh, was a shock, but then, uh, you know, the the red the Orioles were you know beating a big red machine in 1970. I was in AAA at the time, and uh, and that was I mean they talked about how amazing the team was and Brooksy how he played you know so going over there was uh, I'm waiting to see these guys you know with uh, the pitching staff that they had and uh, and Brooksy and uh, uh, a lot of the other players so it was it was kind of a, a, a you know. A, something I was looking forward to and after the shock settled in that I'd been traded, but, uh, yeah. And then, uh, running into Brooksy, Brooksy's like, you know, I, I, he is one of the, the, the kindest souls, uh, you can ever imagine. And the, the two people that I met in Baltimore that, uh, uh, was him and Johnny Unitas. And, uh, you know, our kids were friends. They played sports together. And it, it was just, uh, being around both of those guys, Brooksy, especially, and then being in the clubhouse with him and just around him, it, he was just uh, a joy to, to be around as a, as a player and just as a human being. Ross, it's the most remarkable part, right? Like, it, it, as great of a baseball player as Brooks Robinson was, and he is, again, we're talking about the greatest third baseman of all time. It, what he was as a person is almost impossible. We were just discussing that. How, how quickly did you realize just how special of an individual he was that, like, he never... There was never a moment where he was different. It was never a show. It was never a, I do this because I have to. It was so intrinsic to him to just be the kindest person that you could ever possibly imagine. It, it was I mean, just going out, uh, 
you know, he'd go out. We'd eat crabs with him occasionally. I would go to uh, uh, me and him and Ron Hanson and one of Brooksy's friends would go to the uh, uh, the horse track, and and he was cordial to every. He had time for everybody, or he made time, and uh, he would wear his little ball hat. You know, towards uh, you know the last uh, several years I was the last few years I was at Baltimore, which was we moved down, down here to Florida two and a half years ago, but. We would go out, and he had time for everybody. And people just, they, they kind of left him alone. Uh, but he was just a regular person. And that is what I think uh, uh, really made people feel. He was just like everyone else. He didn't put himself up on a pedestal uh, like some guys do, especially with, uh, you know, as famous and as uh, uh, good an athlete as they were. You know, they just didn't have time a lot of times for people, but he made time for everybody. And it was just a, it was a sight to see people. He would always sign an autograph no matter what. You know, if he was there with his family or uh, or by himself or with a group of people, somebody wanted he had no problem signing it. And that was, I think that's what made him, uh, people really gravitate to him. And they didn't, they didn't really bug him. Anytime I was around him, people really didn't bug him. But a few people would come up, Brooksy, can you sign this? Not a problem, he'd sign it. Can we take a picture? Absolutely. You know, and it, it, that's made him what he, what he was. And it's just, uh, well, what, a dear, what a dear person, a dear friend. And uh, Brooks Robinson's Baltimore baseball. There's no question about that. He is Ross Grimsley. He's with us here on GCR. Ross, you know, while when you started, you know, when you were teammates, it was the tail end of his career, but he was still performing at an all-star level, at a gold glove level, and you had, of course, watched him before that. For, for so many, and look, I have to count myself among this, Ross. I know Brooks Robinson was a great baseball player because people told me he was a great baseball <laughs> player, right? Ross, I'm, I'm 40, you know? I, I didn't ever get to see Brooks Robinson play baseball. So can you explain to those of us that are, are younger – what made Brooks Robinson such a great baseball player? Yeah, he made it look so easy. But but he here's a guy that uh, I mean, you can see people and hear stories about him. But then when you watch him on an everyday basis, you go, oh wow! And he did it, and he did it with such ease and grace. Uh, it was just a um, and one of the really uh, he would used to come to the fantasy camps that we had when the Orioles had him. And he would play third base, and, uh, you know, uh, Weaver was there. That This was many, many years ago uh, when the guys would still play against the campers. And he was making, obviously, not the same, uh, you know, uh, ability, but still he would make that play coming in on the slow ground ball, throw it to first base. And, you know, it was amazing that he could still do that. But he, that, he just did things uh, – I tell you what, one of the things that uh, when I first got there, me, Mike Coyar, and Dave McNally were three of the four pitchers with Palmer. And uh, us three were left-handers, so you knew he was going to get a lot of action down there because we, we weren't fireballers. And after the game, he, he would have marks all over his body, mm. balls that he would, it would hit him, and he didn't have a big, big muscular body because a ball would be bouncing off of him if he did. But it would hit. He would drop in front of him sometimes, and he would throw the guy out. It was just absolutely amazing. So we might have took a few years off of his uh, career <laughs> from him getting beat up a lot from us, <laughs> having balls hit at him. But, I mean, 
you, you have to see these guys play on a daily basis and uh, making plays and just uh, one of the things I think now that uh, the, the the players back then, uh, Brooksy and Belanger, it, it, they knew where you were going to throw the ball. They could adjust and move uh, to where the ball would probably be hit, and they would do that. They, they were some of the most amazing players. If you made the pitch and it was hit and it was hit on the ground, there's a good chance somebody's going to catch it. On that that side of the infield, him and Belanger were fantastic, and uh, you know it really made you work hard to be a keep the ball down in the zone. But you know, they did it with uh, he did it, Brooksy did it with such uh, grace and ease, and it wasn't wasn't a big flashy thing a lot of times. But he did pull out some flash in that World Series, and uh, yeah. that, yeah, that was did. amazing. But yeah. he, he comes, he would make plays look uh, look easy, and uh, he was just in uh, that. And the fact, the person that he was, you know, I don't, th- I don't think I ever saw him get mad. I, I never saw him get get upset or mad. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of opportunities he could have, but but he was just, uh, uh, what a, you just can't say enough about him. How, how good, a, just a good a person he was. That was that's the amazing thing. Ross, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to say, how did you ever give up a run with those guys behind you? What the heck, Grimsley? <laughs> hey, the, I had my best year with those guys that's right, that's in '74. Right. You know, oh. even though I, I won 18 games, but those guys, I mean, you, you throw the ball over the plate, they're going to make a play for you, and you knew that, and uh, it, you know, it was uh, just, just absolutely amazing. But, uh, uh, Ross, what, what, what a bunch of good people, man! Just you, a bunch of good people. You said something afterwards that he was Baltimore baseball, and and you you speak what we're all speaking. It's the language that I like. I it take nothing away from any of the other legends that this city was so lucky to have, but I don't know that will. And I I can't compare it because I don't know what it was like for Stan Musial in St. Louis. I don't know what it was like for you know Michael Jack Schmidt in Philadelphia, but I. I don't know how there could ever be an affinity, a love affair between a city and a person the way there was with Baltimore and Brooks Robinson. And you saw it everywhere you went. And I am sure that you made people's lives by being able to introduce them to their hero over the years. Um, how, and you played in other cities. Have you ever seen anything like the relationship between the city of Baltimore and Brooks Robinson? No, not really. I mean, it's, uh, you know, one of the things I don't think you'll have uh, ever again uh, a player that's, that is going to be that well-liked because it was a different era back then and the guys were more approachable and uh, rightfully so. And they could, they blend, they blend in with the, with the communities. They were always around. They were there. A lot of them had to work, you know, back in, in that, uh, that time. And uh, so they were easily accessible, but in this day and age with the money, I mean, you just guys have to be careful what they say, what they do, where they're at. So it's a little bit different, but that is the, I think the difference in the two eras, they could be more approachable and more friendly back then because you didn't have what's going on now where, I mean, you're, you're scrutinized and you're looked at and you're, it's on, everything's on on camera. So you got to be careful, but that I think that's a big difference in the two eras with uh, uh, with guys. Guys can be a little more friendly back then than they can now. 
That's a fair point. And there's uh, m- much much more separation these days between uh, the, the city and the athletes because of it. Yeah, it, 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 it's really – I know a lot of guys would like to, like to be able to do uh, more stuff and be more friendly and sign more autographs and take more pictures. But it's just uh, – they just they, – they can't put themselves in those positions because, I mean, who knows what could happen. I mean, you see it all the time. You know, especially in politics, and a lot of times in uh, in sports as well. So you just have to be careful, and that's uh, that takes away, I think, the uh, uh, the approachability, I guess you could say, of the fans and the and the player. They just got to be really careful. Uh, Ross, I, I want to do this with you again next week and just talk about Cal Bradish, if we could, and just talk about like you know how much joy we're feeling about a baseball team as we get ready for the playoffs. If that's all right, God, I know, <laughs> and that's a strange thing to say. Isn't Man, it? it is. We're getting ready for the playoffs. <laughs> we have been waiting, and this is some sort of special. Ross, um, I, I always appreciate you, my friend, but particularly on a day Absolutely. like today. Thank you for hopping on with us, and let seriously, let's get together again next week and just talk some baseball. Absolutely. Well, we're gonna we're coming we're coming up uh, tomorrow. Ah. Uh, and we're gonna be we're gonna be there for uh, for a while for about a week or so, a week and a half. But uh, yeah, we're, we're coming up, and uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance maybe to see see some of you guys. If not, we'll we'll talk to you on the radio. No I, problem. I would love to have you come by if you could. I'll have Griffin be in touch with you, buddy. Thank thank got you, you, buddy. Thank All you, right, Ross. Man. Appreciate you, man. You got it. You got it, man. Man, Ross is awesome. I love Ross. He's just the coolest. It's it's why we would joke with Jeremy. Jeremy would do the impression and it would kill me every time. Like he's just the coolest. Thank you to Ross Grimsley. We're just gonna keep moving along. We'll we'll get to the commercial breaks when we can get the commercial breaks. If we can get the commercial breaks, it's just it's the way it's gonna go this morning. Uh, don't forget, Glenn Clark twenty three is the code at superbook.com and the Superbook app. Use it, and you'll get a same-day first bet match up to $250, win or lose. Again, Superbook.com or download the Superbook app and use that code GlennClark23. We are celebrating the life and the impact of the great Brooks Robinson this morning here on GCR. That's what we're doing today, and um, we're catching up with folks that knew Brooks, both teammates media members, fans, throughout the course of the morning. And um, one such person, uh, someone who um, we were just chatting with just a few weeks ago about the uh, 40th anniversary of the 83 World Series. Always a pleasure to catch up with the great Al Bumbry, who's back with us now here on GCR. Al, it's uh, Glenn. It's it's great to chat with you, but it's not uh, great to chat about losing Brooks Robinson. I truly appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us this morning, sir. I understand that. I appreciate you giving me a call. Uh, uh, I, 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 I didn't know uh, when my name had had become G R E A T, but I knew without Bumble. Oh, Al, you know, you know how we feel about you in this community, <laughs> my friend. And I, I know yeah, you were, you. I know you were feeling that love when you were walking out on the field uh, that night at Camden Yards oh, yeah. in August, because that There's was no just... doubt about that. You're 100 percent correct. Al, um, you know, you arrived uh, in Baltimore and you came up through the organization and you got here still largely at, at the height of Brooks Robinson's career. Do you happen to remember your first interaction with Brooks? Well, I don't remember the exact first interaction with Brooks, but I do remember uh, the, the first real, I guess, the first real connection to Brooks and his family, or at least it made me you know, think, gee whiz, is this guy or, or Mrs. Robinson, are they for real? I mean, they were very, very nice to me in, in that I went to visit them at their home. I think Brooks had a 
a cookout or something. I went there and I was in their home and and in Brooks's uh, basement from the first level, it had a spiral staircase. And I was talking to Brooks's wife, Connie, and I said, gee whiz, this is great. I love this. She said to me, she said, well, if you play well and you're here long enough, you can have one just like this. <laughs> and when, oh, and when she told me that, you know, that was an instant connection I had with her. She was always wonderful to me. And needless to say, Brooksy was the same way that's on the field and off the field. How Al, I, I struggle with this because this is the we'll get to the baseball side of it, but what you're talking about is impossible, right? Like this is one of the greatest baseball players of all time, and what you're describing is every interaction that all of us had with him. There, no one has a story of a day that Brooks was off or he wasn't happy to do something or like how quickly did you realize? what a special human he was beyond just being a nice person, that he was almost impossibly kind to everyone he came across. Oh, there's no doubt about it. That's a very good description of Brooks and, and, and the per- person he was and his personality. Someone asked me that question last night. I did an interview, and I said, well, if Brooks had a bad day, you could never tell it by his demeanor. You know, he was very strong in, in, in hiding, you know, uh, his, uh, you know, his uh, 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 negative side, so to speak, or a bad day. He was always very pleasant to me, you know, and that in the clubhouse and away from the clubhouse. I remember once, you know, when I wanted to, to try to, to play at Cave Valley, which is where he lived, mm-hmm. and I, I got someone, a lukewarm uh, response from Jim Palmer about about him taking me over there, and I went and talked to Brooks, and Brooks said, oh, B. He said, the very next time we have an opening, we'll take you. And it must have been three or four days later, a week at the most. He said, B, can you play? I said, sure. He said, come on over. Wow. So he, he took me to, to play there. We had a great time. But that's just the way Brooks was. And he, even, you know, since he's retired and I've been retired, you know, I, I can drive over to Cave Valley and drive to his house and ring the doorbell. And, and he welcomes me with open arms. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to announce myself. Maybe it would have been more appropriate if I did, but a lot of times I didn't. But he never turned me away. That's just the kind of person he was. Oh, that's so special. Man, that is a special story. Al Bumbry is with us here on GCR. Al, uh, admittedly, um, I'm I'm 40 years old. I, I never got to watch Brooks Robinson play baseball, and yet I know Brooks Robinson was one of the greatest baseball players of all time. But for those of us that are of the younger age, and who know Brooks better as the myth, right? As as being the ubiquitous, you know, king of Baltimore. What should we know beyond just the fact that he could dive after a baseball like nobody would ever see? What should we know about Brooks Robinson, the baseball player, and what made him so special? Well, you know, it's kind of difficult, you know, to pinpoint that. It's just that that's just the kind kind of human being he was. I mean, he was he was friends to everybody. I don't think there was anybody that that, uh, you know, that he met, or if you met him, you know, that he didn't feel, you know, comfortable around. That was just his makeup. And he was there, you know, for 23 years here, and obviously he proved that, you know, to, to, to the Baltimore family, community, the baseball club, and, of course, around the league. You, like you said earlier, you never heard anybody say a negative thing about Brooks. So it's difficult to explain other than, you know, you got the feeling that he was a genuine human being, by his his actions. What about you know just from a baseball standpoint, Al? Like just what? How could you describe 
playing alongside Brooks Robinson, watching Brooks Robinson play baseball, how would you describe just what, what a presence he was? Well, I think the thing is you, you, you just watched the, the, way, the way he went about preparing himself for the game, and obviously you watched him during the course of the game and, and the, the pl- plays that he made. He wasn't a person that showed a lot of enthusiasm, but you just watched the plays he made, and, and you always in awe of the play, plays that he made, and you saw why the gold gloves, why he won so many gold gloves. He just enjoyed playing, he enjoyed playing the game and his actions, you know, on the field and off the field showed how much he in, 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 in enjoyed playing the game. And to watch him, you could not help but admire him and, 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 and have positive thoughts, you know, about him. Um, Al, it was just uh, one of our listeners, John, just brought up to me and reminded me about Thanks Brooks Day in, in 77. You've, you've seen a lot of things in this game, right? And obviously you won a World Series, but as as far as unique days go, um, is is there a day that you can remember that was that was ever um, similar to this city and the love affair that was poured out on that day? No, I I, I can't I can't think of any, any other date. In fact, you'd have to have to refresh my memory in terms of that particular. Well, th- date. yeah, the, his final game at Memorial Stadium in '77. That was his final game in '77. She was I can't remember back that far. <laughs> I understand that. I, I, you know, under- but you know, but that, that's not to say. I, I mean, I can't without you know that flashing in front of I, me. I get it. In front of me, I, I, I can, I can agree with anybody who said some positive about Brooks on that day, and I can imagine you know the 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 the, the crowd and response he, he, that he received. It had to be outstanding, and I'm sure we all got goosebumps watching it because he 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 was deserving of that but mm-hmm. i'm sure it was wonderful i don't i, I just can't picture that moment right I, now. I al I, I completely understand i completely understand and and this is where we are at this point al the, the story that you told about um you know the caves is really special to me are there any others over the years that you have of just moments that you shared together interactions or Places where you went, where it's it just soaked in, you know, like who Brooks was and what he meant to everyone. Well, the, the one other thing to, to give you, you know, an idea of how uh, how Robbie was, the 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 year that I got my two hundred and five hits, which was the first order to get two hundred hits, and the first closest to that was Brooks Robinson, and I think Brooks had one ninety five or something like that. We were playing the the, the uh, Red Sox, and Brooks was up in the uh, 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 press box during the game, and they introduced me as the first hitter for the Red Sox. And as I'm walking up to the play, I look up in, in the press box, and there's Brooks up there with both arms extended, you know, voodoo wow. the hand, the, the hand thing to me, you know, for putting the curse he was doing. So I, I saw that. And I, I, I get in the batter's box, and the very first pitch, you know, which was true to my form. I was the first ball fastball hitter. I hit a base at the center field. I get the first base, I look up there, and now he's up there bowing down to me with both hands. Oh, man. That's just the kind of guy Brooks he was, you know, and, of course, he congratulated. That was his way of, of trying to jinx me, so to speak, which I knew he wasn't serious about. And then once I got the hit, you know, he congratulated me that way. We talked about it after the ball game. 
But that's the kind of person he was. He was a real, real, real wonderful man. Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh, it's such a great story. Al Bumbry, I, I, you're giving me goosebumps today talking about Brooks Robinson. Um, it, is all, it is always a pleasure to catch up, sir. I, I, I wish we weren't talking about a world in which we don't have Brooks Robinson. But I'm, right. I'm so grateful for you and for sharing those stories with us this morning. Thank you so much for spending a couple minutes. Yeah. You, 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 you're quite welcome. It would be a, a major change for us to realize that he's no longer with us, but we can, you know, cherish him as a player and as a person by, by remembering all the positive things he did and the way he was. That's what we're trying to do, sir. Al, thank you so much. Okay. Al Bumbery, um Boy, that's special. As, that is uh, some kind of special. All right, um, let, let's let's take a pause because it's just we're gonna have to try to squeeze in pauses where we can this morning. Um, so let's do that now, and then when we come back in, we're gonna chat with um, Scott Garceau, who of course was broadcast partners with Brooks Robinson, um, and you'll be able to find that. By the way, yesterday before we we learned of Brooks's passing, we um, we had uh, we just talked to Ross and he and Luke and Stan had chatted with Dan Duquette, um, former Orioles vice president of baseball operations, and you can find that conversation. You can find it at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline.com slash video. That was also a very unique conversation. Scott Garceau joins us next here on GCR. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at DriveEZMD.com. We'll keep you moving. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of press box and great ace memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 3rd at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. And don't forget, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing.
The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. Quality of service. Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland open. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? AJ Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Back in here on GCR as we continue to celebrate the uh, life and impact and legacy of the legendary Brooks Robinson and uh, we'll continue to do that throughout the morning. A couple other things that we will uh, squeeze in this morning, including segment one of the Tyus Bowser show, a visit with Jeff Newman from the Maryland Five Star. But um, for the most part, we are celebrating Brooks Robinson today here on GCR. And uh, someone else who knew Brooks well, and um, I, I could tell how emotional he was talking about him last night. The, the last time we had him on, actually, unfortunately, was the day after Mo passed, and I, I will tell you that this man made me openly weep that day. Uh, he is, of course, Orioles broadcaster and longtime Baltimore sports voice. Our friend Scott Garceau with us now here on GCR. Uh, Scott, it's it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up. We need to do this at times where we're not uh, remembering someone who passed away, but truly appreciate you spending time with us this morning, sir. No problem, Glenn. Scott, um, you know, it, you present a different perspective of your friendship and, and unique life uh, knowing Brooks Robinson as someone who was a co-worker, obviously, and a partner and traveled with him. I, I don't know, you know, can you take everybody back to the first interaction that you had with Brooks after you had come here? Well, I got here in 1980, Glenn, and at that point, Brooks was doing Oriole games. And so we used to have him on, on the sports show a lot, you know, live from the ballpark and back and forth. So I, I got to know him somewhat. And, you know, he was my bubblegum card that came to life. Uh, you know, I, I had Brooks Robinson's card when I was a kid and I knew 
he was a great third baseman and everything. But then I, I found out who, who the real guy was, right? And, and MVP for Brooks for most of the country stood for most valuable player. And he was one in the American League in the World Series and the All-Star game. But uh, for those of us around Baltimore, MVP stood for most valuable person. Mm-hmm. We, all had a, we all had a Brooks story, uh, an encounter that uh, uh, just made us Brooks Robinson fans. And for me, 1981 was the first game I worked with Brooks on Orioles TV. And uh, I was in my late 20s. And he, here was this guy that I admired from a distance and then got to know and, and just had so much respect for him and, we joke, uh, I remember coming through the airport in Arlington after a Rangers series, and some fans recognized Brooks, stopped him, and pictures, autographs, and spent a few minutes, and we're walking down the concourse. I said to Brooks, hey, Brooks, you know what a collector's item is? And he looked at me kind of strange. He said, what's that, Scotty? I said, a ball you haven't signed. And, you know, we had, we had a good laugh, but never saw him have a bad day uh, at, at the ballpark in the team hotel transportation fans I was some came up to them and one of the amazing parts to me was how players because usually players try to be cool hey Brooksy how are you George Brett would come running to him like uh like like a 10 year old kid he just he just loved Brooks Robinson George Brett wore number five because Brooks wore number five and uh, I remember George Brett telling me we're just talking about Brooks and what a guy he was. And, and George said how he admired him. He said, I, I take a bullet for that guy. I mean, that's how much George Brett loved him. Sean Landetta, 20 yeah. some years in the NFL wore number five for most of those years because he was a Baltimore kid and Brooks was his guy. So, so many of those stories and just the admiration for, for, for the man, not the player, the man and what he stood for. Scott, for you, what, what was it like to go from, you know, someone that you admired, someone that was a, a you know, a baseball hero to a friend, to a, a confidant? Can, can you tell me what, what that meant for you and, and what it was like to experience that? Yeah, in the end, in the end, it was just um, strip away the, the gold gloves and the all-star games and everything he accomplished. He, he was just a special person, mm-hmm. and it didn't matter. I, I, I told a story about uh, doing a game early in Camden Yards, first first two, three years, where President Clinton came up for the game. <clears throat> and we were told that he would be with us, let's say, for a half inning in the second or third inning. And he was on a real tight schedule, so we'd have him for a half an inning. An inning. And, the, and the deal was I would interview him in the back of the booth, and then he'd sit down with John Miller and Brooks, and he would only do a half inning because he was on a real tight schedule. Okay, so the president comes up. We do the interview. He sits down, got an Oriole jacket on. It's a beautiful day at Camden Yards. <clears throat> and I'm sitting next to him looking at him, and he is like a 12-year-old kid that's seeing his first Major League Baseball game. And not because, I mean, Camden Yards and the game and the sunshine, all that was good, mm-hmm. but he was sitting next to Brooks Robinson. And remember, President Clinton was from Arkansas, mm-hmm. and Brooksy, the Little Rock guy, and, and he was in—he was in love. He—he he was like all of us at ten, sitting next to our hero. Here was the president, but it wasn't just the president; it was the common guy who loved Brooks, and Brooks loved the common guy as much as he loved the president. Whether it was on a golf course or in a grocery store, wherever it was, Brooks always made everybody feel special, and that's what it was like being around him. Uh, he made you feel special, but you just saw what he did to everybody else around him. And everywhere we went, everybody loved Brooks. 
Scott, would you reflect? Scott Garceau is with us here on GCRs. We're celebrating Brooks Robinson. Scott, what you're reflecting is the thing that I've, you know, I've struggled to perfectly encapsulate. But this relationship, and and you know, you, I, I don't, I don't know, I can't speak to how Stan Musial was treated in St. Louis or you know other Ted Williams in Boston. I don't know, right? But what I know yeah, right. is, is there's nothing like this. Like I, there is no comparison that I could possibly come up with for the relationship that was shared between this community. I, I, Scott, you know, I'm 40. Like, I joke about it. I never saw Brooks Robinson play, and yet the only piece of memorabilia I have on display in my home is something that my father had Brooks sign for me when I was seven years old because that I knew, I know how important of a figure he was. I don't know how to compare it. I don't think there will ever be a relationship between a human and a city that was as special as the one that Brooks shared with ours. I agree. I agree. And we've had we've had so many legends in our town. Brooks came here in what was it, fifty five. He was eighteen years old and he was playing third base for the Orioles. He'd played second base his whole career until then, and then suddenly uh, they thought it would be a good idea to try him at third. <laughs> that worked out pretty good. But. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, John Unitas, yeah. who I think had had more national clout, maybe mm-hmm. for what he did in in pro football, uh, and, and and the NFL just kind of boomed in in John's heyday. Right? We talk about the greatest game ever played in '58, and John was kind of the driving force of that game. Uh, but I don't I don't think John had a, a terrific connection. But John was a guy who would came come in a room. And, and and would be in the corner with two or three guys, and they would say, my God, what a great guy he is. You know, mm-hmm. so humble. Brooks was the guy who walked in the room and lit up the whole room. You know, that's just – that they were different personalities. But but I agree with you. But we've had – you know, they're, they're celebrating 60 years of Jim Palmer and sure. Oreo baseball sure. Friday night at the yard. Well, 60 years, right, since he signed that first contract. And, and, and Jim came and basically never left. And Tom Maddy and Lenny Moore and Jim Donovan. Parker and some of those – Art Donovan, those Colts Hall of Famers, and let's not forget Cal Ripken, of course. who you know was born in this area and and never left. We we've been so lucky in this town. And Gordon Beard's old line about they name uh, candy bars right. after stars in New York and Baltimore. We name our kids after Brooks. Uh, a quick story: John Bunning, who was a terrific linebacker for the Eagles, played on Vermeil's Super Bowl team. Uh, later got into coaching with the Saints and was a head coach at North Carolina for several years. I'm doing an Oriole game with Brooks. I think it was at Memorial Stadium, and I get a message from an usher who says, hey, John Bunning's downstairs. He'd like to come up and see. And I said, oh, bring him up. So JB comes up, and he, he's, he's happy to see me, and, and we knew each other, but he wanted, to, he wanted to say hi to Brooks. He grew up, and he said, Brooks, I'd like to introduce you to my son. And I think his son at the time might have been 10, 12 years old. His name is Brooks, and he had named his oh. son after Brooks was it was a Brooks Robinson fan, and there's so many of those stories. And, and Brooks was just so gracious with them, uh, as, as he always is with everybody. It, you didn't have to be important to be treated special by Brooks. As a matter of fact, maybe the less important you were, the more he'd brighten up your day. Scott, I'm telling you, when I when I talk about it, I'm emotional because I'm talking about my father and that like what he means to my yes. father. I, that, yes. it, it is a father son yeah. thing. A tie, it is. and I, Scott, we joked about it. I, I, Brooks showed up, Stan threw a, a, a charity event a couple years ago at Citron, and Brooks just happened to be there that uh-huh. night having dinner. And what you said is complete. He walked over and into his 80s when we knew 
it was starting to, you know, get to the point where his health was an issue. He walked over with no, you know, business, no, you know, he didn't have to be there. He was just there separately having dinner and stayed for an hour and a half to walk around the room and see everyone. <laughs> and I've yeah, never, that's him. That's I, him. Well, right, right, right to the very end, Glenn, I, I've got a friend whose wife's going through a real tough battle with cancer. And two weeks ago, she got a handwritten card from Brooks to cheer her up and saying he's thinking about her and, and, and keep fighting the fight. And that's, that's just who he was. And I, 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 don't, I think we all strive to be that person, but I, I think he's a gift from God that uh, there weren't a whole many, whole many made like Brooks Robinson and who just made everybody around him feel a little better. And, and what, what, a, what a special treat he was for all of us. So while I mourn his loss, yeah. And, and and I, I was I was I wasn't shocked when I got the news about ten minutes before we went on the pregame show yesterday. Uh, it hits you hard because you never want to lose somebody that's so special. But uh, we we knew that the time was getting short. But the other part of me was kind of a joy that my God, how lucky were we that he passed our way that we were able to to see Brooks and, and experience him in our community. And he touched so many of us. Uh, Scott Garceau, uh, I promise the next time we do this, we're not going to be eulogizing anyone. We're just going to have an opportunity no problem. to catch up yeah. and chat, my friend. All right, Glenn. Always appreciate All you. Right. Thank you. Good talking to you, Glenn. Be good. Scott Garceau with us here on uh, GCR. And uh, I truly appreciate that. And, you know, Scott has a way. I don't know what it is, but he gets me emotional because he provides context that, um, very few people can and um man that was uh that's something all right when we come back in we're going to pause we, we are going to do a lot more brooks this morning and ken singleton is still going to join us and bobby gritch is still going to join us but we're going to take a, a a short detour talk about a really important event that is coming up here in our community and um, we're going to do that next here on gcr why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The 
Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit MarylandFiveStar.us for tickets. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 3rd at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. And don't forget, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland. And driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource. Home to EasyPass, pay-by-plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. Driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? All right, back in here on GCR. Quickly, Griffin, can you tell everybody what's coming up at uh, Live Casino and Hotel, if you don't mind? Yeah, I want to tell everyone about the second chance drawing over at Live Casino. If luck wasn't on your side on a recent bet while you're at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, well, get ready to turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion between now and January 4th, 2024. All Live Casino and Hotel Maryland rewards members will be able to enter their losing slips into the second chance to win drum, and two nights a week, 20 winners will be chosen. Prizes range from Live Casino and Hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social ultimate happy hour uh, uh, prizes and certificates, cash and free play prizes worth up to $500. Drawings are going to be held every Thursday and Monday uh, over at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Adirondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're going to continue to talk about Brooks Robinson a little bit later on this hour, but we'll take a, a short detour right now because uh, you know how much I love talking about it. And I joke, like, there are not everything is for me, not everything is for, but what I always will support is events that uplift and do wonderful things for our community and help us economically and bring in tourism dollars. And 
I've been trying. I'm I'm still not fully. We're gonna talk about it. I still don't fully grasp every aspect of like eventing. I'm still not fully there, <laughs> but I am a huge supporter of the Maryland Five Star, which returns. Uh, in just a couple of weeks, October 19th through 22nd at Fairhill in Cecil County. Joining us now here in studio, he is the president and CEO of the Maryland Five Star Committee. He is Mr. Jeff Newman. Jeff, it is great to see you, sir. Thanks for coming in and spending some time with us. Uh, it's my pleasure. I love the opportunity to talk about what, what a special event we have. I, I, I can say that, and I try doing my best to say, I'm like, this is a big deal. And I get back from people, yeah, but why? Right? Like, I... I still don't fully understand it. So I'm going to present that to you. Why is the Maryland Five Star such a big deal and so important? Well, first off, it's the pinnacle of the sport of eventing, which is also known as an equestrian triathlon. So I try to equate it to people. It's, it's like the Iron Man for horses. And what makes it so unique and special is the fact that there's only seven in the world. We're one of seven. And there's only two in the U.S. And so it's an Olympic sport. It's an amazing competition. It's not a race. And it, it really is like a golf and tennis event where you see the event unfold over multiple days. And we get riders and horses that are absolutely majestic and, and they do amazing things that you have to see in person. So you, how did you get involved? Like were you, when somebody said, hey, this, this, this five-star thing is happening, were you like, oh yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm all in? Or were you, like some of us, were you like, what exactly is this thing? <laughs> yeah, I was approached by Terry Hasseltine, who heads up the Maryland yeah. Sports Commission. He created an organization called the Sport and Entertainment Corporation of Maryland, which is a nonprofit to bring major sporting events to Maryland. And so there was the opportunity to bid and get this five-star event in the equestrian space. And obviously the Maryland horse industry is, has mm -hmm. got such tradition. It's so big and and I'm an event producer, so I've come from the tennis, golf, college football world, and I had never run an event with animals. And so <laughs> the, the opportunity to, to do an event with horses here in Maryland at a, a brand new facility, essentially, uh, it was a public-private partnership to raise $25 million to create the Fairhill Special Event Zone. So upgraded facility, horse tradition in Maryland, new event that I can create from scratch, something that only happens in seven places in the world. I said, okay, this sounds pretty good. Let's give it a whirl. And it's been really rewarding, you know, these first two years. Okay, now are you at the point when, when you watch the event unfold, you're like, you could actually score it yourself? Have you gone from, like, I didn't, I've never been around horses to I can tell immediately, you know, like when you're doing the dressage, I know who scores well. I know, like, do you know all the terminology, everything like that? It's I'm still learning, actually, okay. <laughs> but it's pretty simple in concept. It's like golf, lowest score wins. All right. So you try to get the least penalties. And That's so if you hit a rail, if you, um, you, know, you know, God forbid somebody falls off your horse, you're out of the competition. So it really is just get the least penalty points and that's the winner lowest point wins all right so what we've learned about the five star is as much as it is sporting event obviously but it is much more than sporting event it is community event it is international event for folks that are like I i've heard about this it seems cool but like what am i if i show up what am i going and doing what does it even look like so what's unique about it is that you each day is something different. The first day is dressage, which if, 
if you like figure skating or gymnastics, for example, it's basically the same for horses. It's they're being judged on technical moves and it's the ability to have horse and rider be one. The sport actually originated from a cavalry test to get horse and riders prepared for battle. And so this is like a test to make sure that they are. Okay, this have, I, I got. Can I be honest for a second? Jeff? Yeah. Can I like every time that I would hear about dressage, I would say, why is this a thing? <laughs> why? What? In what world? Like, I, and I can I again? Let's not speak yeah. out of turn. Like, I thought it was just this is this is the way the other side lives. This is wealthy people just proving how wealthy they are. <laughs> right. They can go out and do some horse dancing. So I'm learning something. In this there was an actual purpose to this an actual that purpose. led it to be an event. Exactly. So when a horse and a rider are in battle, they have to be one. They have to be able to move quickly and they have to be in sync. And so that's what dressage is all about. It's the ability for the horse and riders to be in sync and they get judged on moves. But then the next day, which is more thrilling, on Saturday is our is our cross-country day. That's really what defines eventing, and it's about a four-mile course that horses and riders go over these incredibly large obstacles, and it's something to see. It's the size of a golf course, and it really tests the endurance of the horse after coming off a of dressage. And then if you make it to the next stage, then it's show jumping on Sunday, and show jumping is about the agility of the horse coming off of doing a you know, the endurance of a cross country. So you have to get through all three phases. And again, the lowest score wins with the least penalty. So every day is something different. So separate from the competition, though, why should you come out if you're just someone who doesn't like the equestrian space? We have retail shopping. We have about 150 vendors where you can do all of your shopping, you know, for the holidays, for example. We have the Maryland Corgi Cup. So you get to see 103 corgis who are going to race on our track. What? Uh, we, oh, I'm in. Yeah, I'm it's amazing. in. And then we have a fresh food fest, so you can we showcase local Maryland produce, and we also have a beer, wine, and spirits festival. So all those kinds of things, you can come out the event, have a great family experience. You can bring your dog, which includes you know the full family. And I, I think it's just a, an experience that once you go out there, you, you'll want to come back you every can, year. You can bring your dog. I did not know you that. You can bring your dog, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. All right, uh, Jeff Newman is in the studio with us, president and CEO of the Maryland Five Star. You can find out more and get your tickets, MarylandFiveStar.us. And that's, that's of course, the number five, MarylandFiveStar.us in order to get your tickets for that. You can bring your dog and there's a court. I didn't know about these things. (laughs) This is awesome. Yeah, and it's beautiful out in Cecil County at this time of year. So so I've heard, you know, Fairhill, all the work that you mentioned that it was put in, and this was, you know, an area that had existed for a long time, but you create this. Co- what makes Fairhill so special, and why was it the perfect place to create this international event? So there was the creation of a horse park system, you know, by the Maryland Horse Industry Board in combination with you know the Maryland Sports Commission and others. So it was identified as the perfect location for certain disciplines: dressage, show jumping, and eventing. And so Fairhill just has perfect terrain for it. And so when the facility was upgraded, it made perfect sense to have the Maryland Five Star there. In addition to that, it's just beautiful. Um, You know, it's a great opportunity to be outdoors with the family. Trees are changing colors. um, And it's it's just the ideal setting for the sport. And so we encourage people to just come out. It's a public park. It's on state land. Uh, so it has the ability, you know, for people to visit it throughout the year with horseback riding and the like. So it just really is the perfect setting. And 
ideally located. So we're 40 minutes from Philadelphia. We're 45 minutes from Baltimore, right on the border of Delaware. So it's really easy to get to as well. So I think all those combined made it the ideal you know, location. Yeah, right off the highway. That's, that is certainly a good thing. Uh, all right. So this year, what's new? What's I, I think I heard something about tailgating maybe this year being a thing. Like, g- Give me what, what is new to the Maryland Five Star in 2023. Well, first off, if you've never been to the event, the day to go, if you only have one day, is Saturday. That's our cross-country day, and there is tailgating. So tailgating spots are available throughout the day. And if you've ever been to, like, the Hunt Cup or something like that, you know that these this it's a very exactly. unique tailgating scene for this sport. Very similar. Uh, so, yeah, tailgating's involved. But we have something new we're introducing this year called MD Five Star Radio. And it's powered by Brown Advisory, our presenting sponsor. And so you're going to have the ability to get an earpiece this year where you can listen to the broadcast commentary as you're watching dressage, as you're watching show jumping. So that's something new this year. For that's idiots like make... me that have no idea how one is any different than the other, exactly. I'll be able to have that. Compa- you right. mentioned your history. I, I went to the City Open plenty of times over the years. Mm-hmm. I, as a tennis fan, it was always great to have exactly. that earpiece that, you know, in your ear letting you know what's going on. Exactly. So you know what's going on throughout the property. But to your point about scoring earlier, you'll get the insight into how things are scored and you'll have the play-by-play, which is something we haven't had in the past. So it'll help educate the fans uh, and people that are new to the sport by having this first radio. And then the new, the special events we talked about. So uh, we're going to have some Hall of Champion horses out there. We're going to have pony racing out there to go with the Corgi Cup. So um, I think those are all just some new elements that we've brought to the event this year. I swear. What day is the Corgi Cup? Because my... Sunday. It's Sunday? Sunday right. the 22nd. My wife might murder me if she finds out that we went on a different day. Like, it might be it might be a little bit yeah. awkward. We are light, leaning towards Friday, but she, now that she... No, boy, this is going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> this is going to be real uncomfortable in the Clark House. The Corgi Cup is going to be a really difficult thing it, to pass up Yeah, on. we started last year, and we had 50 Corgis racing, and it was so popular, we now have 103, and, <laughs> and it's growing, so... Come out and see some, uh, you know, some of these corgis out there, and you'll probably want to get one. Um, looking ahead, right? Looking to what could be moving forward as you guys continue. Obviously, there's a serious commitment for this event in our community and to keep growing it. What could be on the horizon? How could the Maryland Five Star even continue to grow in the future? Well, we're in our third year. Uh, we had 25,000 people last year. But the capability for these events, because the other five stars, like the ones in the U.K. and in Kentucky, they get anywhere from 80,000 to 150,000 people. And like I said, once you go out there and you see what we're, what we're showcasing, I think people want to come back year after year. But we want people to think of this event very similar to how they view the Preakness. You know, every year they put it on your calendar and say it's a, must, it's a must-see event. And we want it to be, you know, the equivalent to that in the fall. So we want people to think that it's the place to be in October and, you know, really view the event in a similar way. And I think if we can get to that point, this will be a real anchor event for Maryland. It'll drive tremendous tourism, uh, be on the international stage. And that's really our goal is we want people to think it as another major event, especially in the equestrian space, similar to Preakness. All right. What else should people know? Obviously, we're going to keep directing them to Maryland5star.us. But what else should they be thinking about as they either make a decision about whether to come out or if they've decided to come out, what else should they know about the weekend? Well, we just partnered with Great Wolf Lodge. It's a brand new facility resort in Perryville, which is 20 minutes away. So you can make a vacation out of it. You can make a family trip out of it and stay multiple days. So if you have young kids and you want to have a great experience, go to Great Wolf Lodge. We have a promotional rate. 
We also have partnered with Hollywood Casino, so we have something for the adults at night, and then we want everyone to come out to the event. So we have the amenities now to really create a, a multi-day family experience. Uh, so we encourage people to look into that, but also just you know follow us on social, Maryland Five Star. Uh, of course, check out our website, MarylandFiveStar.us. And like I said, if you're looking to just come one day, Saturday would be the day, but hopefully people could come out multiple days. Jeff, I uh, you know I, I I love this. I love what it does for the region and shows a positive light to the world about our community. And that's that that's I don't think you can fully grasp what that means entirely. I don't know that you can define it with a number, with an attendance figure, a dollar amount. I, and I know that it, economically it has been very good for our community already. But I think there are things that go far beyond that uh, about events like this that exist in our area. So. Yeah, I think just come experience eventing. It's it's really spectacular to see. Uh, these horses are just, they're amazing to look at, and it's really up close and personal. But, uh, yeah, I think the potential of the event is tremendous, and we just want people to, you know, really grasp onto it and, and have it become a staple event for Maryland. Jeff Newman, thank you so much for coming in and spending time with us this morning. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Go O's. Yeah, go O's indeed. That's Jeff Newman, uh, president and CEO of the Maryland Five Star with us in studio. We'll grab a break, and then we're going to go commercial-free the rest of the way as we will continue to celebrate the life of Brooks Robinson here this morning on GCR. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire. U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Orioles train keeps on moving and it's ahead of schedule. The birds are motoring towards a playoff run here in 2023 as their magic number keeps getting smaller and smaller. I'm Paul Valley, and you can find me along with Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here on the Bataround. We'll navigate you through the playoff push as the Orioles look to put an exclamation point on what is turning out to be the best season of the last 40 years. So join us on the Orioles train and let's enjoy the ride together right here on the Bataround. 
Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the higher edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Wednesday edition of the program. As I said earlier, no Would You Rather Wednesday today just because it's not the day. We're celebrating Brooks today. That's what we're doing today. And we'll get back to Would You Rather Wednesday next week. Just a, a one-week respite, and we'll have fun with it next week. Uh, yeah, so that's where we are. Thanks to everybody who came out uh, last night to Guilford Hall Brewery for the Tyus Bowser Show. Had a great time. You'll hear segment number one with Michael Pierce before we get out of here today. And if you missed us last night, shame on you. But you'll have your opportunity again next Tuesday back at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Looking more and more like the Orioles will be off. They won't be playing during the wild card round. So just a fun way to spend a Tuesday night next Tuesday night, October 3rd. We'll be back at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North for the Tyus Bowser Show. It's partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia. And it's brought to you by Superbook Sports and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Now, we continue today to celebrate the life and legacy of Brooks Robinson. And we've been chatting with uh, former teammates and folks who knew him professionally. And, of course, this man, you know, a, a legend in Baltimore baseball and someone who was uh, with Brooks at the tail end of Brooks' career, but, of course, had before that been in baseball and a contemporary and a man that uh, obviously knew Brooks quite well. He is the great Ken Singleton, and he's back with us here on GCR. 
Kenny, it's Glenn. Uh, it's great to talk to you, not in these circumstances, but really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Well, well thanks for chance to uh, talk about uh, Brooks and you know certainly what he meant to the Baltimore area and Maryland and baseball in general. Can I wonder, you know, like how many interactions had you had with Brooks before you you ended up with the Orioles, right? Like how well did you know him at that point? The country uh, is, uh, you know, a great baseball player. I mean, watching that uh, series against the Reds, uh, that was, um, what, 1970. I had been in big leagues for about three months. And uh, every year, you know, as a kid, I'd watch the World Series. And, um, you know, Brooks was phenomenal in that World Series. And not only defensively, but uh, the Orioles beat the Reds in five games. And uh, although my, my had never met Brooks before, until I got traded to the Orioles, mm. and uh, I remember walking into the uh, clubhouse uh, in uh, Miami my first day, and the first person I met was Brooks Robinson. Wow. And uh, he put his arm around me, welcomed me to the team. Uh, he's very gracious. He, uh, I, I, I'll remember to forever what he said. He said that, uh, I can welcome to the Orioles. You don't have to do it here all by yourself. A lot of good players here. <laughs> I walked into the clubhouse and I looked around and you sort of like Jim Palmer and Paul Blair and Don Baylor and Bobby Gritch and Lee May and Mike Cuellar and Elrod Hendricks. And I'm thinking, you know, he's right. There's, there's, there's a lot of good players here. Uh, and uh, it, it certainly, uh, it made you want to stay and, and try and contribute to a team like that. And, you know, I, I stayed for 10 years and finished my career with the Orioles. Ken, you know, did you know about like Brooks's reputation as a person, or did you like have to experience that and understand like just how overwhelming of a human being he really was? Well, I, I knew that uh, he had won the Roberto Clemente Award, which they mm. just didn't hand out to anybody, and that means you had to make uh, contributions not only to baseball but to your team, uh, to your team, and also to your community. Um, but uh, I'll give you an example, Glenn. Uh, when I first got traded to the Orioles, uh, Mark Belanger and his wife, Dee, threw a party for the team uh, during spring training. And, um, you know, the whole team gathered. Everybody was invited, the kids, everybody. My mom happened to be uh, down in Miami at the time, uh, just wanted to see what the Orioles were all about. And she came to the party, and she struck up a conversation with Brooks Robinson. And uh, he was very gracious, very nice to her, very kind. And she, he became my mom's second favorite player on the team after <laughs> me. Uh, um, and there, there were days where Brooks was a close 1B. Let's put it that way. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I just think whenever their paths would cross, you know, sometimes players leave the clubhouse before others do. And he would see my mom out in the waiting area, and he would talk to her. And uh, he was just... Uh, uh, that's, that's why he became her favorite. Uh, he was just that type of person. Uh, and it wasn't only her. I mean, it was everybody in town. Yep. Uh, years ago, I can remember going to a, a celebration of, of Brooks downtown. And I can't remember who the MC of the event was, but during the event, he asked uh, people in the audience to stand up whose name was Brooks. 
And there must have been about 15 to 25 people stood up, men and women, who had been named after Brooks Robinson by their parents. And that's what Brooks meant to uh, people in uh, Baltimore and in the Maryland area, that uh, these people were willing to name their kids after Brooks Robinson. And that gives you an example of what he meant to uh, just the community around here. Ken Singleton is with us here on GCR. Ken, you know, you were a, a beloved figure here in town, but you were also, as you mentioned, around so many talented players, and, you know, your career then spanned in the next generation, right, of, of great Orioles and Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray. And then, of course, yeah. as, as a broadcaster, you've been around. You spent, you know, day-to-day with Derek Jeter, right, in New York. You've, you've been around yeah. all of these figures. How yeah. do you compare the love affair? What you're alluding to is I cannot give it like con- appropriate context because I don't know how it compares to you know Stan Musial in St. Louis or other guys in other cities. But yeah. it is hard for me to fathom that there has been a love affair between an athlete and a city that could possibly rival what Brooks Robinson shared with the city of Baltimore. Yeah, uh, that's that's why he's Mr. Oriole. I, yeah. I know that uh, maybe the next generation of of, of of people who came around, or fans that came around, would say maybe Cal Ripken's Mr. Oriole. But uh, even so, Brooks was first, and uh, I, I just feel that uh, you go around some of the cities, and you mentioned some of the players. You did Stan Musial in uh, in St. Louis, and maybe uh, uh, Pete Rose in Cincinnati, Roberto Clemente mm-hmm. uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, you mentioned Jeter in New York. Uh, people gravitate towards not only players who are great players on the field, but seem to do very good things in the community. Uh, just uh, that's that's who fans really like. Really, really want to uh, have their sons and daughters emulate when they're playing sports. Uh, and there was nobody. There was no one better than Brooks Robinson when it came to that. I, it, it's 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 funny because everybody says you you never saw him had a have a bad day like you just never saw an interaction that was anything other than congenial and warm and welcoming and I I, I wonder as you know as a as a player and I know he was at the tail end of his career but like uh-huh. did you ever get to see did you ever get to see him slam a bat and you know and and be any different than the Brooks Robinson that we all got to know. Yeah, well, you know everybody has their moments, but Brooks didn't have many of them. <laughs> I, 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 I'll tell you a funny story. We were playing in Detroit, and uh, somebody had a foul pop-up, and Brooks came over to, to make, make the play, and he made an error. He dropped it. And the whole stadium went silent. Like, they, you know, they couldn't believe this had happened. Uh, so I was the leadoff hitter the next inning, and I came up to hit, and Bill Freehand was catching for the Tigers, veteran uh, catcher. And I said to him, I said, when's the last time you saw Brooks Robinson make an error? And he said, where were you? It happened five minutes ago. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, it was just a funny situation that everybody in the stadium knew that they had seen something that, uh, you know, it was like, you know, like, like Haley's Comet. You know, something was going to happen every 5,000 years or so. So I, I, I just, uh, uh, you know, I, I was playing right field and I'm staying out there. I, I'm thinking something must have gone wrong. You know, that, that, that just doesn't happen. And I'm not, I'm not, it was pretty easy play. And the Brooks just dropped it. So, you know, stuff happens. Oh, man. Uh, Kenny, can you speak to that? You know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 40, right? Like I did not get to witness Brooks Robinson, the baseball player. I got to know the man, right? And I, you know, my, my father made me love Brooks Robinson before I really knew who Brooks Robinson was, right? Like I, 
but I never got to witness the man play baseball live. And I, I just wonder if you could share with everyone, to your point, someone who watched him play and then ultimately became teammates with him, what was it like to watch Brooks Robinson play the game of baseball? Yeah, I had the vantage point being in the field. When I first got to the Orioles, three gold glovers in the infield, led by Brooks. Mark Belanger was at shortstop and Bobby Gritch was at second. When I got traded to the Orioles, I came along with uh, uh, Mike Torres, a pitcher. Mike Torres, his only year in Baltimore, won 20 games. And the reason why he won 20 is because of the infielders behind him. Right. Because Mike Torres, Mike Torres led the league in walks. <laughs> and every time there was a ground ball, they turned it into a double play, either of uh, Mark and Bobby over the Lee May or Brooks to Bobby over the Lee May. And uh, it was very rare that a ball would get through the infield. Not only were these guys good fielders and sure-handed, knew where to be instinctively before the pitch was even thrown. Uh, they saw the signs. They moved accordingly or would lean in one direction or the other. And uh, they just made the plays one after the other. Yeah, I think Mark won eight gold gloves. Of course, Brooksy won 16. And Bobby Gritch won a number of them himself. Uh, they, they were so sure-handed. Uh, it was a pleasure playing behind these guys. Ground balls didn't get through very often. And like I said, they turned many a double play. And they took pride in what they did. All of them before games would take their ground balls, work on their double plays, to work on their timing. Um, it, it, it was great team to be on defensively. Ken, before I let you go, if I could, could you give context to what he meant throughout the sport? You know, obviously you continued to live here and you're you're such a part of this community, but, you know, you worked in the biggest media market in the country and you played in the biggest media market and you, you know, you've been throughout baseball in what you do. Can you speak to what Brooks meant to the game of baseball beyond just what we know of him as being the unofficial permanent governor of the state of Maryland? It's I, I will give you an example. I played games for 25 years. Uh, I come to Baltimore, and on occasion, up to the booth just to say hello to me, and I would introduce him to the people I work with. All right, let's see. If, let's see if we can't. I, I don't want to miss this, right? I don't want to miss this because I feel like it's going to be a, big, a good story, and I apologize as. Uh, we were losing Ken there for a second. We're going to see if we can't uh, get him back because I'd, I'd love to hear the story before we wrap up with the great Ken Singleton uh, this morning. And we still have more to do. It's funny, Ken was mentioning Bobby Gritch. He's going to join us. And in just a couple of minutes, uh, author Laura Lippman, uh, who is an obsessed Brooks Robinson fan. And um, I, I look forward to that conversation a great deal. But I, I just don't, before we wrap up, I just want to try one more time to, to let Ken uh, talk about this from his years as a broadcaster, Ken Singleton with us this morning here on GCR. And, Ken, uh, when we lost you, you were talking about, you know, being coming back to Baltimore, working with the Yankees. Okay. Yeah. Yankees for uh, 20 years, uh, you know, broadcasting Yankee games. And occasionally Brooks would come into the booth uh, just to say hello to me, and I would introduce him to my broadcast partners, whether it's Michael Kay or John Flaherty was here with me quite a bit, and Meredith Morakovitz and you know, after Brooks would leave the booth, they would say, man, what a nice person. I said, you don't know the half of it. Uh, mm. Brooks, Brooks is revered around here in the Maryland area, not only in Baltimore, but throughout the state. Uh, that uh, Norman Rockwell painting mm -hmm. that he did of Brooks, uh, it, it's sort of an iconic painting of Brooks signing the baseball for the kid, 
And uh, I, I hopefully that shows up uh, quite a bit in the next few days because uh, that, that kind of Brooks was that's he was the, the kids, grown ups, just everybody revered this man and rightly so. Uh, I just to me the, the moniker of Mister Oriole is uh, well deserved. Right. There is no question about it. Uh, Ken Singleton, I always appreciate you. I wish this wasn't what we were talking about, but I'm so grateful to be able to share those memories with you, sir. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us this morning. Let's talk again real soon, all right? Yeah, well, the Orioles are in the playoffs. It's a good time. To talk about. It's a good time, my friend. It's a good time to be in Baltimore. Appreciate you, sir. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ken. Ken Singleton, of course, with us here on GCR. Um as we continue throughout the morning to share memories of Brooks Robinson. Uh, you can pick up the print issue of Pressbox right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations throughout town where you find Pressbox. Cover story from Bo Smolka, all about Lamar Jackson now in the contract era with the Baltimore Ravens, but go get this print issue of Pressbox. Wherever it is that you find Pressbox throughout town, including your area Royal Farm stores, you can also read all of it at pressboxonline.com that print issue of press box. Yes, obviously we haven't really talked much about the baseball game last night. In fairness, there's not a lot to say. Kyle Bradish was great and sub three ERA. He's been brilliant. And he wasn't even maybe even at his best last night and he still, you know, did that. Of course Gunnar Henderson hit the home run one nothing and as so many people pointed out, um the fitting part of that is that Brooks Robinson holds the record for the most games in which he had the single RBI in a one nothing game in baseball history. So that was pretty poignant and pretty fitting last night that the Orioles won one nothing over the Nationals, and the magic number is down to two to clinch the AL East. Um, I had the pleasure years ago of chatting with our next guest, who, of course, you know, she's one of the the great authors of this generation and and certainly one of the great authors to ever come from our city. And I what I did not know was how much Brooks Robinson meant to her. And she actually introduced me to um, the song and uh, and was singing it for me. The uh, Grandpa's Dream Brooks Robinson song that we started today's show with. She is the great Laura Lippman, and she is with us this morning here on GCR. Laura, it's Glenn. It's uh, it's so good to catch up. I, I wish we weren't chatting about losing Brooks Robinson, but I'm thankful for you spending some time with us this morning. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, I'm very much on the record as being someone who doesn't tend to react to celebrity passings. I'm usually of the mind of, well, that's sad, but I don't know the person and I don't want to interfere with um, their families grieving. But it, Brooks, the death of Brooks Robinson hit me really hard. My daughter heard me um, scream in the house when I, I it came across Twitter when I was on. And she's like, oh, my God. I was like, she, she said, I thought Dad had died. Wow. Wow, Laura. That is... <laughs> Uh, can can you take me back? Why did you have such? And I because I, I asked this question, and I I wanted to have you because I feel like what you're saying, you're speaking on behalf of the city, and I understand what you mean about like celebrity deaths don't impact. But I said earlier, I, I feel like what we're reacting to is Brooks, but in a way, like part of the soul of our city is lost, right? Like th- this, we we all came together for this love affair that we shared with this man. How did it come about for you? that you had such an affinity for Brooks? My family moved to Baltimore in 19, 
65. And so the first Orioles team of my life were the 60s Orioles. 66, they won in four straight. And I don't know how a kid wouldn't be a fan of a team like the Orioles that were my Orioles. And that's how I think of them. And it was just such an amazing team. And I grew up with them. And, you know, and, and I just stayed a fan. I'm a very superstitious fan. Like I've talked very little about this season mm. because that is a way in which I'm kind of a classic baseball person is I don't like to jinx things. Um, but yeah, the Orioles are my team and Brooks really embodied, well, you know, they were, it was an amazing team because it's not just Brooks. It's also Frank Robinson and, you know, the amazing pitching and all of that. But um I just have so much affection for the Orioles in general. And I think of all the players for me, if I have to pick one player, it's Brooks. I did meet him very briefly that one time. He was so nice. No surprise there. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, Brooks Robinson and Frank Robinson are kind of my two Orioles. Uh, I, I heard from someone who knows you, you know, very well <laughs> um, that Brooks once signed one of your books for you. <laughs> Could, yeah. could, could you tell us a little bit about that? I met my friend Rob Hyacin. You can't ever talk about Rob, who was killed in the, yeah, um, the Annapolis. assault on the, on the Capitol without getting a little bit misty-eyed. I, I met him um, in the old Brass Elephant Bar, and it was Rob who looked up and said, I think that's Brooks Robinson over there, and I turned around, and it was. And um, again, it's like, you know, just talking about fame and celebrity, I don't bother a lot of celebrities <laughs> and I've met a lot of them. Um, but in general, I'll leave people alone. I mean, I, one of my other big heroes is Steven Soundheim and I went, saw him in a restaurant in New York wow. and I didn't interrupt him or go over and talk to him. But, you know, Brooks was out with his wife and another couple and I just had to say hi. And I, I had my book with me and I was excited about it and I showed it to him and he just, you know, inscribed it, you know, like to Laura, good luck with your book. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I think this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> wow! So yeah, just a very brief encounter, and you know, let him be. But I mean, you know, that's the other thing too is that I'm old enough where we grew up at a time where our our athletic stars were just like part of the community, and you did run into them, or they were around, and it didn't feel as if they were distant from the city at all. They felt very much a part of the city. And a lot of those Orioles from the sixties did like Baltimore. I did care about it. That is, uh, we're chatting with Laura Lipman, of course, the author, the novelist from Baltimore. She's here with us as we're celebrating the life and the legacy of Brooks Robinson. And, and that Laura, I, I, I can't escape the, like the warm interaction that you had with Brooks Robinson. Brooks Robinson was a great baseball player, of course, but I'm Laura, I'm 40, right? I never saw Brooks Robinson play baseball. And yet I know and I understand, and I, I, I told the story earlier, like I was 22 and got into this business, and I got a phone call from Brooks Robinson, and I, I peed my pants, right? Like I, <laughs> I, I, I understand it because of how ubiquitous he was and how every interaction, I was unqualified for the job that I had, and I was bad at it, and he called me back the next day to tell me how much he enjoyed spending time with me. And that was the story, and I, I, I just don't know... You know, to to the point that you make, like we love Frank, and, and obviously we, you know, Cal Ripken means so much to the city and John Unitas, but 
I, I don't know that there is an athlete that shared a more unique connection with our city and maybe with any city than what Brooks shared with us here in Baltimore. No, it was, it, it, it was, and it was so genuine. I mean, I think that's the thing that everyone who had an encounter with Brooks Robinson took away from it, which is, he was just a nice guy. And he also came from an era where players in all the sports, no one got super rich. No one, you know, no one had those amazing contracts. I'm, and I'm happy for the players today that they're paid as well as they are. They should be. They deserve it. But, you know, these are guys who they took on other businesses and, you know, they stayed. You know, they hung around. They were part of it. And, you know, the thing that I always have the best memory of is when Brooks Robinson was inducted into the Hall of Fame, I think I was home visiting because that would have been when I was still living in Texas working at newspapers there. But I'm pretty sure I was home visiting right around the time that it happened. And, and it felt like there were just endless specials on local television about Brooks. And as it should be. It was like, it was like our coronation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. I, I cared much more about that than I've cared about anything that's ever happened with the royal family. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. It was just like, yeah. It's like another show about Brooks Robinson. And, you know, it was... Um, you know, there, he just—he never made headlines for any bad reasons that I know of. No. I, you know, I can't think of anything. He was a guy who showed up and did his job and could be amazing in clutch situations. Um, you know, I like—I know people like to have that conversation about who's the greatest third baseman of all time, and I just—I just won't even have it. I was like, he's my greatest third baseman of all time. Okay. Right. This right. is mine. Right. I'm not here to have an argument about it. I don't, I don't want to talk about the stats. I want to talk about, you know, offensive versus defensive, because that's not the kind of baseball fan I am. And it's like, this is my third baseman, okay? This is my favorite ball player. And that's how it's always going to be. I feel like you're reflecting so many convert like the romanticism, because we all know that, like, having a good baseball team does not change like the problems within a city or within a community, right? Like it can't fix everything, but there's something that's romantic about it. And the reason why, you know, football's neat and it's great. And I'm not trying to take anything away from John Unitas or the Baltimore Ravens or anything like that, but it's part of your life every summer. You spend every night with these people and they really become a a part of, of who you are and it creates such a romantic feeling. And what you're reflecting is, all of those things that we love about baseball and about watching someone play. I, I talked earlier this year, and I'm not trying to compare Ramona Arias to Brooks Robinson, to be very clear, but just watching guys lay out and dive for balls and play hard, there is something so unbelievably romantic about it, and I feel like it dates us back to my father sitting me down and talking to me about what it was like to watch Brooks Robinson. Yeah, I, you know, I'll tell another story on myself about it's great to be a fan for a really long time and to be with a team through thick and thin and especially a team like the Orioles or, you know, one, you know, any team that's not in one of the really big major media markets to me, that's true fandom. And so you stick with them and they have some terrible years and and just like, and then you, you know, you have what's happened with the Orioles over the last two seasons, Mm -hmm. which has been so delightful. And that's why you're a fan. Um, I'm going to be fuzzy on the date. I know it would have been probably, I'm trying to think how old my stepson was. My stepson's 20. Okay. Let's say it was about 
I'd say it was about 15 years ago, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I was in New Orleans and I was sitting there with, with, you know, my then husband, David and my stepson, Ethan, and he was wearing a Raphael Palmero shirt. And a man came up to us and he's like, do you like the Orioles? Do you like Raphael Palmero? And my stepson was like, yeah, I do. And the man was Ron Swoboda. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just, I mean, it was like my Niagara Falls. I was like, <laughs> I can't talk about 1969. I was just, I was like, I was like, and you from Baltimore. And, and, and he just and he said, you know, it was a long time ago. You should really be over this. <laughs> I was like, I'll never be over it. I'll never be over it. No one who lived through 1969 in Baltimore should ever be over it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like, I... Next. Next, next thing you'll tell me, I can use a Mayflower moving band. I right, cannot. Right, right. <laughs> right. And you understand why nobody will play, you know, um, uh, I'm thinking of 79, of course, with the Pirates, but 69 with the Mets. And I, I'm, oh boy, I, like there are people in my family that would, um, I, oh God, who did I have? I, had, I actually had one of the 69 Mets on recently, and I can't think of who. Oh, you know who? We had Davey Johnson, who, of course, ended up in Baltimore oh. as manager, right? And like, you still, yeah. you still can't. You still can't. It's very difficult. Um, uh, Laura, I know you spent some time this morning. You went over to, I know that the Orioles have left the ballpark open. Um, I, I will be there tonight for the game, and I'm thinking about just going out. And I, 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 Was it cathartic? What was it like just going over and, and walking up to, to, to see the statue and, and think about Brooks this morning? It was, you know, I, I, so I have a morning ritual. You shouldn't know. I don't know why I say you know. I have a morning ritual where I take a walk every morning and I typically take a photograph of the Domino Sugars sign over the harbor and I put that up on Twitter and I always begin, good morning, Baltimore. Huh. Well, today I was like, I'm going to walk over and I went over to the park. Not a lot of people have come in yet, according to the security guards, but people have been there. Some tributes have been left. And this morning I just tweeted out, good morning, Baltimore, goodbye, Brooks. Oh. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, Laura Lippman, I, I, I don't know what else there is. I, I really appreciate because you share a side of this that I think reflects so much of what all of us are feeling in our city. And, I, you know, we're doing the we're trying to say the part where, like, we're grateful that we have the stories to tell. And 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 that meaning like the, the emptiness that we feel knowing that we now live in a world without Brooks Robinson is overwhelming. But my God, how fortunate we were to have him. I, mean, I, I just, I mean, the Orioles just go back to the 1950s. So you look at that 1960s team, that mid-1960s, and that really is kind of the bedrock of the, of the team that we cheer for today. And it's a beautiful foundation. And it's a, it's a ball club that you can be proud of being a fan of theirs. They, they haven't let us down that often in terms of, bad people and bad behavior and it's you know it's it's been pretty inspiring and i'm I'm, you know i'm happy to be a fan laura Lippman, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning we truly appreciate it and we look forward to chatting with you again down the road sure and let's you know yeah let's go orioles right (laughs) come on yeah magic number is two magic number is two right okay that's as much as i can say or otherwise it's there's there's too much superstition (laughs) all right after it's over let's talk again about this season all right after after it's over we'll have a conversation about this season sound good sounds good take care thank you laura 
Laura Lippman with us here on GCR. I didn't know she was that superstitious. I didn't know that. That's neat. I try to think of who it was because obviously Davey Johnson, we were talking about the 69 World Series, but he, of course, was still with the Orioles then. I, who would it have been that we – oh, Ron Svoboda is who we had on. Uh, Baltimore's own Ron Svoboda, we had him on to talk about it. And um, it's, still off the, it's still awkward. It's still awkward um, talking about the 69 World Series. All right. Uh, appreciate Laura Lippman spending some time with us, and and I I did I, like what she's reflecting, and the way that our community feels is um, it's very significant. Uh, each and every game day this season, Project Game Day, is brought to you by Superbook Sports as well as HelpMyGamblingProblem.org, PressBoxOnline.com/slash/GameDay. You can watch it YouTube.com/slash/PressBoxOnline or Facebook.com/slash/PressBoxSports. Myself. The NFL chick, Rita Hubbard, and certain special guests throughout the year. Vontae Leach has been a big part of it, and we will be back again this Sunday following Ravens-Browns. You can join the show. You just got to watch out. We'll send out a link, and we're going to try to tighten up our waiting room policies. But um, look forward to being back for Project Game Day this Sunday after a big divisional matchup. We continue to celebrate the uh, life and legacy of Brooks Robinson this morning here on GCR. And joining us now, a man that uh, played alongside Brooks for quite a few years. And obviously, we were just talking to Kenny Singleton, and he was raving about, you know, it wasn't just Brooks. That entire infield defense was remarkable. And, of course, the late, great Mark Belanger and our next guest, six-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, and uh, Orioles 1970 World Series champion Bobby Gritch is with us this morning here on GCR. Bobby, it's Glenn in Baltimore. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances, but truly appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, yes, um, and I'm just uh, flattered uh, that you called, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, a sad moment for everybody, the the Robinson family, Connie, and and his boys and whatnot. And I'm sure everybody in Baltimore um, is uh, just remembering uh, the great Brooks Robinson and giving him all the accolades and uh, the remembrances that, that he deserves for such an incredible career. And one of the few that stayed in one town his entire career. So he's pretty much like the favorite son of Baltimore. That's for sure. And, 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 Rightfully so. Bobby, I, I wonder if you could take us back to uh, 1970. And I, I don't know if you had had uh, interactions with Brooks at all when you were coming up in the Orioles system. Do, do you, can you take me back to the first memories that you have of being around Brooks? Well, I was a 20-year-old kid in 69, and I went to spring training um, for the first time. And I was... Uh, in Miami, we played the old Miami stadium and, um, they had the great Frank Robinson, Boog Powell, Jim Palmer, all those guys. Brooksy was just low key. He was just friendly. Uh, there was no errors about him. He made me feel welcome right away. He never, he never played the big league card on anybody, as you say. And, um, you know, he was just an easygoing guy, and and you just wouldn't realize if you were hung around him at, at any free length of time, you wouldn't realize his accomplishments or how great a ball player he was. He never, he never bragged. He never did any. He just was a real low key guy, and uh, always made you feel comfortable. And as a young player, twenty years old, to come there for the first time, 
it was a very um, welcoming and uh, warm reception from Brooks, uh, as well as the Boog pal. Frank Robinson was a little bit tougher. <laughs> and he, he was a little bit tougher. He had a little bit different attitude. But that was okay. I, I actually rode in, in a taxi cab from the Miami airport to the Baltimore stadium with Frank Robinson. Uh, and, uh, but, but Brooksy, uh, uh, on the other hand, I always was just a team player and always made young players feel welcome. I, I got to make sure I heard that. Did you say from the, from the, from the Miami airport to the Baltimore stadium in a taxi? From the Miami airport to Miami stadium. Oh, Miami stadium. I was like, wait a second. Got it. Got it. Now training. it makes more sense. When I, when, yeah, I was just uh, mentioning when I first time I went to spring training in Miami. It, got it. But, yeah, but, sorry about that. But, I got that. No, little. no, it's, it's, I, I didn't hear it right. Bobby, um, you talk about, like, we, there are nice guys, and, and we will talk about people that are, are truly nice people, but then there's Brooks Robinson, right? Like, then there's yep. maybe the kindest human that ever lived. How, how quickly did you recognize, uh, knowing what you knew about him as a baseball player already, but how quickly did you recognize and was there a moment that stood out for you that made you say, oh, this is, we're talking about a different kind of human when it comes to Brooks? Well, um, you know, it, when, I, when I got there, I just was looking around and taking it all in. Um, uh, Brooks's kindness, his uh, down-to-earth attitude, his, uh, you know, you, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't know that, that he was this great athlete. Have you ever spent time around him at all? I mean, he's kind of a, a funny guy in that, you know, his body was a little bit soft yeah. and he was a little bit round. He wasn't chiseled. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, you know, that's an understatement. Uh, and, and, and he just, you know, he, he was balding a little bit on the top of his forehead. Um, he wasn't, he just wasn't a strong looking, you know, grizzly athlete. It was like just the antithesis of it. So it's just so funny that he would be so um, talented. And as a, I can tell you, as a young player sitting in the dugout, especially at home when we were on the third base side, and I, I could look straight out and watch Brooks Robinson's every move. And um, he, he was, uh, people don't realize it. Uh, nobody even talks about it, but he really had his own style for getting a jump on the ball. He kept his feet very close, uh, just shoulder width apart, one foot in front of the other. Quite often you'll see these ball players now that have their feet wide apart. He, his feet were very close inside his shoulders. His hands were up around the letters, one hand in front of the other. And, uh, and one, of, one of his feet was just slightly in, in front of the other. And I used to watch him and study him. And he was one of the few guys that, that kept his feet close. His first move was a pivot. So in other words, if the ball was hit to his right, he would pivot on the balls of his right foot and step over with his left foot immediately and not taking the first step to his right with his right foot. And so that was the key to his jump. That was the key to his cat-like quickness. And I picked it up and I saw it and I worked on it and I studied it and I adopted that jump. Uh, just like he did, it helped me tremendously. I got to 900 total chances three times in my career. And I think only Bill Mazeroski had more 900 chances than I did, the only players in the history of baseball. And it's because of the jump that I got from Brooks Robinson. Wow. So he was cat-like. 
and he uh, he was like this, you know, soft, rotund athlete. But man, to watch him move on the field, it was it was like, wait a minute, this guy's a different level. And he had invented his own his own style, and it also helped him to come straight up. He was the best ever at the slow roller. He didn't have big hands. You shook his hand, and he had kind of these soft hands. He might have been a he, he might have been a, a surgeon, you know what I mean? And <laughs> and it, it, there was you know you shook Frank Robinson's hand, and Frank Robinson's hand would just envelop your hand. He had these long fingers, big strong hands. You shook Boog Powell's hand, and it was so thick you couldn't get your hand around the back of his hand. You shook Brooke Robinson's hand. And, and, and it was like, you know, it was, it was just like a school teacher or something. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, uh, yet, yet, uh, he was quick and soft. And another really funny story is that Brooks, Brooks would put his body down in front of ground balls all the time. So he would get these rockets hit at him and it would be like one hop, two hop. Well, the first hops on the grass, on the grass, the second hop is on the dirt. So the second hop, you don't know where it's going because it, it could be any kind of spin. It could have been a slider down into a right-hander. It could have been a sinker away to a left-hander if you have the other, other kind of spin. So as an infielder on the second hop off the dirt, you don't know which way the ball's going. You don't have time enough to, to be able to recognize it or to anticipate it. So he would just get down, basically down almost his knees to the ground and sacrifice his body and just sort of put his arms out a little bit to make himself as big as possible. And he would take shots off the, off his quads, off his stomach, off of his shoulders, off of his chest. And he had this, like I said before, he's had this kind of soft body. So about June or July, midway through the season, he had taken so many balls off of his body and he bruised really easy. He was like a, he was like a ripe pear. He would, you would just, you could just push his skin and he would have a bruise. And, and so, you know, we'd be in the, in the locker room, uh, you know, walking around, taking a shower or whatever. And you'd look at Brooksy and he would have one, two, three, four, five. He would have between three and five bruises on his body, like these ugly purple things, like all the time, all the time. It was hilarious. But he just would throw his body down and just knock the ball down, pick it up, and get rid of it really fast. He didn't have a strong arm. He just had quickness and accuracy. I mean, the guy was just iconic. He was just—you you would just shake your head and just go, "Oh my God, look at this guy!" And and uh, it, it was it was it was awesome. He was so awesome. I I don't know how we're gonna do better than what you just told us, Bobby. That that was awesome. That was so. I I, I literally found myself like mesmerized. I was hoping you weren't gonna stop talking because I wasn't prepared to ask another question. Just listening to you describe uh, and and the jump. Like I I could listen to that all day. But Bobby, I I, I don't want it. Bobby Gritch is with us here on GCR. I don't want to take anything away from you when I ask this question because you you're a damn good baseball player, right? Like one of the great players of an era. But it sounds like what you're saying is that you were able to become that because of what you picked up from Brooks Robinson. Yes, it, you're you're exactly right. Had I come up with another organization uh, or or studied another a player, I would not have been uh, as good a player as I was because, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I, I got my total jump from Brooks Robinson, and I mean, I played at six to uh, two hundred pounds. And, um, you know, I wasn't a small, short, quick, 
quick guy. Uh, but I, I developed uh, the jump of Brooks Robinson, and there's nobody that had any better range than I had. And, I, and I'll put my name on it. You can check the stats. But nobody had any more range than I had in the history of the game. And that was because of what I learned from Brooks Robinson. I, and I teach, you know, I was to the Orioles, and I teach yep. these guys this jump. And nobody seems to want to, like, pay attention. And I go, I go, guy, this isn't this isn't my thing. This is Brooks Robinson's thing. I don't care if you, you know. <laughs> and, and some guys have taken to it. Uh, Howie Howie Kendrick's one of the second basemen. The Angels took to it. He did a good job. But yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, and I'll tell you something else is uh, that uh, Brooks was really good at that you don't see in today's game. He could hit and run uh, with the best of them. He had good bat control. And he loved to hit and run. He loved to go the other way. It's a skill that you don't see in baseball today. Like uh, guys can't go the other way. Right. And I, I also learned that from him. And um, I've watched him. He just would keep his hands inside. And he would just drive the ball to right field. At one point in one, one year, uh, he and I worked our own hit and run. And uh, Ro Weaver gave us the okay. So I would hit uh, in front of uh, Brooksy sometimes I'd be like two and he'd be three or something like that. And we'd be five and six or something. And, um, you know, I'd get on base and, and he would give me, he would go to his helmet with his right hand. And then, and I would, I would, you know, respond, like go to my nose or something, whatever. And he and I worked a hit and run together, just the two of us all the time. And it was fun. It was awesome. It was great. And he was really good at it. He was skilled at it. So, uh, he had a lot of baseball skills. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, Bobby, you, of course, you know, you mentioned your time with the Angels, and you've been all throughout baseball. The relationship that Brooks shared with our city, and I've, I've tried desperately to come up with context for it this morning, but I don't know how it compares to other, because, you know, I've, I've spent the majority of my life in this market and this community, but can you give context to how it compares to other you know, great players that you were around and not to take anything away from them and those cities and those fan bases. But it's just hard for me to fathom there being a relationship between player and, and, and city, the way that Brooks Robinson shared that this with us here in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of, uh, uh, of very many ball players. Uh, Johnny bench, maybe in Cincinnati, um, uh, you know, but, but Brooksy was, um, uh, you know, a Christian guy, and he um, uh, came from, you know, humble beginnings in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, where people are friendly. I mean, just people in the Southeast have just a more, a more friendly disposition quite often anyway. And uh, that, was just his, that was just his foundation. Um, uh, he was kind to kids, and he, there was nobody ever that signed more autographs than Brooks Robinson signed. Nobody ever, maybe in the history of the game. And, uh, and, uh, I would, I, I, and I pattern myself after him as much as I could. I, I love the fact that he signed autographs. I absolutely love that. And I signed, I signed autographs all the time. And because, because Brooks Robinson's, um, uh, model and, and, uh, you know, he, he would, he actually, um, uh, hired a, a, a high school, a, a gal in, in the Baltimore area to, um, he would get a, a cardboard box full of, his, his autograph requests in the mail. And he put the cardboard box next to his locker and every day he'd get, I don't know, 10, 10 autograph, you know, uh, requests probably in envelopes and he would put them in this box. And then by the, by the week or by the homestand, he'd have a cardboard box full of requests. 
and he would take the cardboard box to this gal and he paid her. Uh, maybe, maybe the angel, uh, maybe the Orioles paid him. I don't know if they did. They probably didn't, but he, I, she got paid by somebody and I think it was him. Anyway, she would uh, take the envelopes apart, you know, out, take the request and then put them back in the envelope. And then she would have them. So when we came back from that next road trip, he would have a, a box full of, um, envelopes that all he had to do was go to the table and then pull out the card and sign it, put it back in and then, and then stick it in the, in the outgoing mail. And he did over the next homestand, he would do the whole cardboard box full of autographs. And then, and he would be filling one up while, while the autographs were coming in. And then he'd be signing in between our batting practice. And by the time we took uh, infield, which would be about a, a 45 to, to 50 minute spell there, and that's what he did for 50 minutes every night. He signed probably, I don't know how many, but he, I mean, he did that for the six years I was there. So um, I've never seen anybody else do that. I've never seen any other player ever do that. And, and uh, it, it, was, it was amazing. And so when I saw this, anytime a kid asked me to get an autograph, I would sign every autograph that I could. I, rare, I, don't, I think I turned down one kid in six years at, in Baltimore. And it was because I was walking out to my car in a rainstorm and not a rainstorm, but it was raining. I was trying to get in my car and this kid was asking for, I go, I go dude, it's raining and it's raining. Let me get in my car. So there, so there was a writer, his name was Tannen. Do you remember Bill Tannen? Uh huh. Absolutely. Yes. Well, so I signed as a free agent and, 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 uh, the whole town was upset because free agency, this is, a this is not a Brooks Robinson story. I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to tell it anyway. No, Bill no, Tannen, well, okay. So I didn't sign one autograph in six years. I swear to goodness. I did not sign one autograph in six years in Baltimore and Bill Tannen wrote during the winter, how I pushed kids out of the way and wouldn't sign autographs for them. That that's the kind of that's the kind of sports writing that is irresponsible and like well, I, I, you know it, I I just can't tell you how 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 that I, I oh my god I, I, I don't blame you for being hurt by that I don't blame you I at want all. to I, I want I, to strangle that guy as, but, especially you know trying to be a representative of what you learned from Brooks right like that that was the standard exactly. that was set in Baltimore was that this exactly this is what you did and I and so yes when I came back people booed me. He wrote this article just, you know, talking about what a greedy ball player. I mean, it was just a, the worst article ever. And I came back after six years of giving my heart and soul, blood and guts to that city. And the people booed me and came down to my dugout and reached, the, looked down in and called me names. And just like, I was just, I was astounded. I could not believe it. But I think that it had a lot to do with Bill Tannen's uh, article. Oh. But anyway, was that his first name, Bill? I, I, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I double check because I thought that was what it was. I'm trying to find the answer for you, and we will. Anyway. When I find it, I'll me- we'll message it to you. I promise. It's so, all right. Just, I mean, just a little side note. But. I I understand, but I what, what you're telling is that like it's 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 special to me that like you said, hey, if this is what Brooks does, I've got to do it too, right? Like that's exactly. That's where. I, yeah, that's the point. Exactly. That, and I tried to uphold what what Brooks the standard that he set. I tried to uphold as best I could. I, 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 that it's incredibly special. Um, uh, Bobby, if I, if I could, b- the 1970 World Series, because yeah. Brooks didn't need that. Like, his legend did not need to include a dominant performance in a World Series win. He would have been, you know, an icon no matter what. But on top right. of everything else, 
he also happened to have one of the great World Series performances of all time, right? Like, yeah, you, yes, uh-huh. Can you take me through what it was like, you know, being a part of that team and everything that he put in to the 1970 championship? Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, that was such a special team and special uh, band of brothers that it was a real close team. Everybody got along great. And, uh, uh, you know, he was he was part of the glue that, that was uh, the leadership of that team, uh, along with Frank and Boog and Jim Palmer. Uh, and, but um, he just did everything right. And, and it was so crazy because the balls, the balls that he got, he got like, I think maybe four or five really, really difficult plays. Uh, I think he stole two. Uh, he, he caught a ball off Johnny Bench. It was a line drive off Johnny Bench, and I think he caught it in foul territory. He was playing him to pull, and Johnny Bench roped one down the line right over the base and was curving you know, into foul territory, and Brooks Robinson caught it in foul territory, a line drive. So that's what I'm talking about, his jump. And, and then there was a ball that Lee May hit. It was right in front of me. I was in the third base dugout. Brooksy was right in front of me. I'm, I'm there watching him. Lee May, uh, somebody hit a, somebody threw him a slider. I think maybe it was Dave McNally down and in. He rolled over on it. He hit it hard. He, he roped it. It was a two or three hopper. And, um, uh, 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 and it was on AstroTurf. And so it's even faster. And the ball just went toot, toot. And it, was over, it was over the bag in fair territory. It bounced right about the line over the, over the bag in foul territory. Brooksy was so quick and about that jump, I'm telling you, he had taken two steps. By the time the ball took two hops, which is probably, I don't know what that is, it's probably uh, two-thirds of a second, you know, 1,001, 1,002, maybe a second, maybe a second and some change. And he had taken two steps and reached out, ex- extended himself as far as you could reach out, backhanded the ball, pirouetted and pivoted on his left foot and threw the ball over the top and bounced it in, 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 uh, on the AstroTurf to Book Powell and beat Lee May by a, by a half a step. It was the most phenomenal play I'd ever seen. And, and nobody had ever made a play like that. Nobody, nobody in baseball ever made a play like that with that pirouette. And since that time, uh, I, actually, I actually practiced that play, and I, could, I started doing it at second base. <laughs> it was a ball that Doug Griffin hit up the middle, and I had been playing him a little bit up the middle. He hit the ball right over the bag at second base, just, just inside my side in second base. And I reached out with my left hand. I caught the ball, and I did that step that I saw Brooks do in the World Series. And I pivoted on my left foot and threw over, over the top and, and got him at first base. I did that about four, five, or six times in my career because of Brooks Robinson's play, and I saw the way he pivoted and pirouetted on with all, all in one motion. You have to catch the ball you have to catch the ball and then you, you plant your left foot and you spin and, and, and not even take a step. All you do is spin and, th- and you got to throw the ball back over your head to get anything on the, on the throw. So he, he set the standard for that play. And, uh, you know, it, it was like nobody else ever made that play. And he was just so athletic. And then anyway, so, you know, he, he just had, then he had another line drive to his left and then he had a slow roller. He made a perfect play on. So, the fact that he made every single one of those plays, but what was like, I mean, it was almost like, you know, the powers from above, right. uh, somebody was, somebody was going to showcase him. The big guy in the sky was going to showcase Brooks Robinson and he was going to give him these five opportunities to show his, his incredible defensive talents all within a period of five games. 
and and he made every single one of them. And then on top of that, he, he hit doubles and home runs, right. single. I think he hit 457, I think it was, whatever it was, something like that, almost 500. So that was like, that was like the, the, the you know, the, the icing on the carrot cake, man. That was to his career, and, and it was so awesome to have him have that chance to showcase his talents and have it all be so condensed in a five-game uh, showcase that the whole you know, world or at least the country could see who he was and what he had been doing and what he did for 16 years. And it was awesome. It was so cool. Uh, uh, this is so cool. You have given me goosebumps this morning, Bobby Gritch. And I'm, I'm not kidding. I could listen to you talk about what you learned from Brooks <laughs> Robinson for hours. And um, <clears throat> it is powerful. Uh, Bobby, I, yeah. I'm so grateful. I, I, I'm so sad that this is what we're <clears throat> talking about, obviously. But uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm so grateful to spend this time with you and hear you tell these stories. Um I, I this is this is overwhelming, um, what you have shared with us this morning, my friend. This, yeah, I'm getting a little choked <laughs> I'm getting choked up I, I understand. I understand. And I, I am you have moved me and I've got I've got tears in the corner of my eyes that I'm hoping nobody can see on the video right now because this has been incredibly powerful. Um Yeah, it was quite a, it was quite an era. But my condolences, of course, to the, to the Robinson boys. Yeah, of course, of course. Bo- Bobby Gritch, um, thank you. I, I I can't say that enough. Thank you. This this is a special conversation as I've ever had. I am I'm so appreciative of you spending time with us this morning. Thank you so much for doing this. All right, you got it. Good talk to you. Oh my God. What what in the world do you say about that? I'm not kidding. I've got tears. I'm sorry. Holy crap. Dude, if you're not moved listening to Bobby Gritch, detail by de- pinpoint explain every layer of what he learned from Brooks Robinson and how it made him a ball player. I got nothing for you. That I've had a lot of conversations over the years, man. I I I literally at one point realized that I was not prepared to ask another question. Because when he got going talking about the jump, I, I it was like I I got lost. That was mesmerizing. Sorry, I'm not normally this I'm I, I admit that I'm a softy now, like everything since I became a father. And Brooks, it's a big father-son thing for me because, you know, my dad loved Brooks. and So there's a little bit of that that goes into this and it makes me more emotional to talk about Brooks Robinson. Damn. Damn. Bobby Gritch talking about Brooks Robinson is as powerful as I... I, 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 I don't even know what to do now. Like, I really don't. That was That was special. Um, I am so grateful that uh, Bobby Gritch took that time for us mm-hmm. this morning because that was whew, that was something else. All right. Um, I really don't know how we transition from yeah. that. I really don't know. Like this is not. That's, that is that is something, man. That is really something. Uh, I mean, this was this was a special show. I think, especially for me. I don't have well, you know, and that and that's any, the thing, right? Yeah. Like, and by the, and I said this a few times. I, there's a part of me that feels fraudulent, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I never well, watched Brooks Robinson play baseball. I was born in you know six years after his career ended. 
there's a part of me that feels fraudulent. But I do feel because I I grew up, you know, going to the barber shop on Saturdays with my father. My father would take me to the barber shop every Saturday, and all I would do is sit around and listen to my father and his friends. I, half of them weren't even getting haircuts. They were just there. To, that was where they hung out on a Saturday morning. Was at the barber shop. My, his friend Stan, and I think still might even still do it to this day. But his friend Stan, not Stan Charles, a different Stan, owned this barbershop um, over on Philadelphia Road. And they would all get together. And it, my childhood, my memories are going to the barbershop with my dad on a Saturday morning and listening to him and his friends talk about Brooks Robinson and John Unitas every week. And they would, I, I'm not kidding you, they would reenact plays it was the greatest thing man <laughs> like i'd be getting my hair cut and my dad and his buddies and they might not even been his friends they might have been just other guys that he knew because of the barber shop and they were there to get their hair cut i don't even know but they would they would literally reenact like brooks robinson doing the jump and i'd sit there every saturday morning and i'd be mesmerized by it and it it was what drove me to this to wanting to do this was listening to those stories and um god man i am um i'm really i i all of it was good it was mm-hmm. we, it, i'm glad that we did the show that we did but that yeah that brought that was... i that put me in that barbershop on a saturday morning except it was the man who was maybe most impacted by but uh Oh, I don't know. All right, all right, all right. Um, let's take a second. Okay. All right, and then we'll do we'll do tidbit tubular, and then we'll segment. Well, we're gonna go to one o'clock today. It's what it's <laughs> gonna be. I'm sorry, you're getting more show. I'm I'm, I'm so terribly sorry. You want to tell everybody uh, about the, this great contest that we have going on right now with Pressbox? Yes. If you head over to Pressbox, I mean, like, did you ever like? I I I, I, I don't mean to. So, I mean, obviously, I know who Brooks Robinson is. Right. I guess I don't have as many, uh, I mean, no memories, but, you know, any stories about, you know, how much Brooks... I happened to go to the Oriole game last night with my uncle. Okay. And uh, and so he told me the story about how he and my dad were at the at the game where Brooks hit his last home run, that mm. walk-off home run, mm. April 77, um, and happened to be, ended up being his last career home run. And, you know, just how... And he still remembered, my uncle still remembered every, almost every detail of, of that game. Like, there was four and a half thousand people at the game, and this was the ninth inning, and at this point, there were maybe two 2,000 people left. And you look at the highlight, because he made me pull up the highlight of the of the game, and, um, and you know, there's no one in the, there's literally two people in the bleachers when he hits the home run. And uh, and he just re- he was able to recite everything from the at bat. You know, it was a, it ended up being like a full count. Brooks was fouling off pitch after pitch. Um, Frank Robinson was the manager at that point of the of the of the in, the Cleveland Indians. Okay, yeah, they're playing Cleveland that night. And uh, and and um, and he remembered after the game. Uh, Brooks got interviewed, and Brooks uh, was talking to the media, and he was like, "I knew when Frank saw me coming up, he knew it was a tailor-made double play." <laughs> Because it, it was a runner on first, or, or it was runner first and second, something like that. Yeah. And uh, and Brooks just kept battling in this at bat against I forget who the closer was. The, 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 we we found an article of, about okay. the game. And okay, it was whoever the closer was for Cleveland was really really good. One of the best close, or well, I guess relievers. I guess they're right. not sure they really had, yeah specialist, not uh, yet. Yeah. Um, and Brooks just kept battling, and they were chanting. The two thousand people that were there were chanting, "Let's go, Brooks! 
let's go, Brooks. Oh, man, that's and cool. eventually he hits a walk-off home run. And my, my dad and my uncle were there. My dad was 11 years old. I'm trying to. So I've got uh, from Sabre actually posted mm, something I think about that might have been. That's yeah, probably what you yeah, found, that is. right, when you were talking about it. Hang on a second. I'm trying to. I am trying to find out who it would have been. April 1977. I think. Yeah. Oh no, it was 77. For, oh, you're saying what the what yeah, date? Yeah, what, what, what day the game was? I don't know. It's a, yeah, after the game. Robinson said Frank probably looked up and said, "Here comes old Brooksy. It's a Taylor made yeah, double yeah. play." <laughs> oh, by the way, Bill Tanton was the name of Bill the Tanton. sports writer that um, Bobby Gritch was trying to think of. Bill Tanton was his name. Um, that's a great story. That's yeah. a great story. It's neat that your dad and your uncle were there. Yeah. That's really neat. I, the, the, you know, my my the, the the autograph poster that I have, you know, framed in the the when I was telling earlier the one piece of memorabilia that is hanging. I'm t- I, like Amari Stoudemire gave me an autograph jersey once when I was in Phoenix. I couldn't tell you where it was. I don't do the autograph thing. It's never been my thing. Like I, I, I don't do. I just pos- possessions are not a thing for me. I don't know how to explain it. It's just not my thing. Right. And I'll probably regret that at a certain part in my life. Like I see um, before he passed away, Ted Patterson was like sharing with me like all of these possessions. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, that's so incredible. Then I'm like, I could have done all of that. Like I had access, but I just never, you know, like possessions don't mean anything to me. Um, the stories behind them are like mm-hmm. I, the, I don't wear these shoes that Tyus Bowser gave me, but it they mean something to me because it was really neat that he like wanted to do that like it was a really neat thing for me so they mean something to me but i don't wear them any other time than when i'm with tyus bowser like that's it um but this this thing was from my dad and my uncle went to this lions club meeting because they found out brooks robinson was going to be there and like it makes the story all that more meaningful to me that like my father and my uncle like those two idiots went out and they were like we gotta be there we gotta you know like we have to and so um, that's the one thing. It's I keep it on. It's the only thing in my house, the memorabilia-wise, that I have yeah. on display. And I guess to the point of you know, I, me not knowing as much as I should about Brooks Robin, but you know, I asked my uncle. I was like, "Did you ever meet him?" And he was like, "Oh, obviously." Yeah, was, and that's and like, it's the thing that I was yeah. saying. Like I was joking about it last night. Everyone immediately had a mm-hmm. picture. They could put, and I said something on Facebook. I'm like, I, the truth be told, I actually don't have nearly as many pictures as the number of interactions that I've had with Brooks Robinson because it's not. It's another part of being the job is that you don't always go out of your way to take pictures. And um, for as, as as many negative things as I'll say about my time at my old employer, there was happened to be a day where Luke Jones and I um, did an event where they were dedicating, after they had put a baseball field at the old Memorial Stadium site, they were dedicating the youth baseball field, and they did a public ceremony, and Luke and I went over and... Um, Spent some time with Cal and with mm. uh, Brooks that day and Brady and I'm trying to think there was somebody else who was there that day I can't remember who it was, but um, I, it just so happens to be I don't know that we took pictures with anybody else but I think um, uh, Nestor had suggested that we should the three of us you know you know Brooks Luke and I take a picture together and I you know uh, I'm very appreciative of that yeah. right because yeah. I I was the only I I'm, there might be another one somewhere I'm sure there are others somewhere but I couldn't it's the only one I could find last night when I was looking for a picture. And I'm not even the type that likes doing the picture bit when someone passes away, but it was almost reflecting exactly what Laura Lippman was saying. Exactly, We all had pictures with Brooks, every single one of us. It, the joke was that like he, he ruined memorabilia yeah. because 
you couldn't sell a Brooks Robinson autograph. Everyone had a personalized Brooks Robinson autograph. Everyone owned something that was signed by Brooks with their name. Everyone had it. So no one could just buy or, or could sell, well, I've got this Brooks Robinson autograph baseball. So does everybody else. So Bobby Grinch was talking about. He would just sign baseballs over and over again. So they were worth nothing because they were only worth it to the person. To me, that poster is the most valuable possession that I have. It's the most meaningful. And again, it's Brooks. It's my father. It's it's all of it, right? But I, I and I do have other autographs. That's not true. I have a, a, a balls that have been autographed by other guys. I don't know where they are. I don't display them. It's just not my thing. My father-in-law tried to give me a ball that was signed by like all of the 70 Orioles. And I was like, that's awesome, right? But it just doesn't mean the same to me because there's no story there it's just right. it's just baseball right. right like i yeah all right sorry all right we're 12 30 we haven't even played tyus bowser yeah. yet. i'm sorry i'm, I'm not sorry it's, i shouldn't say i'm sorry okay you did you tell everybody about the uh, yeah yeah go to pressboxonline.com slash contest because I'm, I'm lost this morning that's all right uh, if you're this afternoon i don't even know what time it is if your fantasy football team needs help, like a lot of help, Pressbox and Live Casino and Hotel have the answer. One lucky winner will receive a private fantasy football consultation with Pressbox's fantasy football expert, Joe Serpico, with ongoing help throughout the season, including advice on sits and starts, trades, and waiver, uh, waiver wire pickups, plus a VIP game day experience at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Sports and Social with a reserved table and $200 in food and beverage credit. So to enter, go to pressboxonline.com slash contests. Again, that is pressboxonline.com slash contests. Uh, you must be 21 or, or older to enter. Complete rules are available at pressboxonline.com slash contests. All right. Uh, let's do a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the Baltimore County Police Department. Big hiring event coming up on October 28th at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. You can go through the entire process, the written test, the agility test, and uh, also you can just find out more about how the application process works. You can go through the entire application process, find out more information about career opportunities within the Baltimore County Police Department in like specialized units. And on top of that, it's just a public event. It's a trunk or treat event, so a nice safe place for your kids to come and get around, go around in their costumes, get candy, and interact with the police, which is something that I think is really important um, to try to build trust and uh, that relationship within the community. So if you want more information, call 410-887-4584 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Uh, Brooks Robinson themed, of course. Um, you mentioned the stat already of Brooks having the most only the most single RBI games. Yeah, most games where his uh, one nothing games where the single RBI belonged to Brooks Robinson. Mm -hmm. Ten times, ten times. Uh, I believe second was Ted Williams, who did it nine times. Uh, and yeah, most all time. And of course, the Orioles do win a one to zero game last night. Um, Brooks, uh, I mean, we can go a couple different ways. I know we, I think we did the gold glove one kind of recently. Um, Brooks, of course, won the most gold gloves of any third baseman, 16, and it's not even close. Uh, he also won the, he was the third third baseman to ever win the league MVP award. 19 third basemen have done it, uh, ever. And three of them have won the MVP. Three third basemen have won the MVP multiple times. I'm going to try to name those three that have won the MVP. 
I, I should, I mean, I'm going to guess Mike Schmidt. Yes. Mike Schmidt has won it three times the most by any third baseman. Um, and so, hang on, the others won it two times? Yes, the other two won it twice. I don't think... And oh, man, this is actually... And hang on a second. Okay, okay. I, let me let me let me think this through for a second. Because I don't want it to end up being like a trick question. Because this the the one guy, one of them didn't like doesn't didn't play third base a lot, but he did play it like enough that he you know he played a lot of third base. I'm not. Just sure. We don't. I don't. We don't really. I think think of him as a third baseman. Okay. Is what I should, should say. <laughs> and he's okay. A more recent player. Actually, they're both pretty. Oh, Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez is one of them. Yes. Yeah. And then the other one is also more recent. Yes, and he, in fact, still active. Still active. It's not Arenado. But again, yeah, not Arenado. And again, you're not going to think of him as a third baseman. I'm not going to think of him as a third baseman. Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera. Miguel yes. Cabrera, who did start mm-hmm. as a third baseman. That is true. 2012 and 2013, or 11. No, it was 11. I think it was 11 and 12. Yeah, that's um, good. That's good. And then uh, there were 10 third basemen in Major League Baseball history to win the World Series MVP. Brooks Robinson was the first to do so in 1970. Um, I'm not going to ask you to name all 10 Jesus. here. But there are four that you should be able to get here. Who are the, Which four third basemen? <laughs> <You're> sp- <laughs> I mean, I know, I know. It's That's a very a- weird way of like asking, do you remember the specific four World Series MVPs that I'm trying to... Two, two were very recent third baseman that won. What, do they count Steve Pierce as a third baseman or as a... No, yeah, Steve Pierce. The, that, I don't know who counts as what position. All right, so third baseman. He was a, he was, yeah, he was a first baseman Um, for that World Series in 2018. Seager was a shortstop. He was a shortstop. God, I got to go over who won the World Series. This is actually very difficult. <laughs> Um, in oh, 1970, God. Brooks won it. He was the okay. first third baseman. All right. And then I'll give you the years here. Okay. And I'll do my best. Oh, why is this not going? Oh, it's, oh, I had it. I had it organized by position. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, for God's sakes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, 1975. 1975. Uh, I don't. The Reds won the World Series. Oh, well, then Pete Rose. Yeah, Pete that's actually Rose. who I thought it was. So I, I should have just guessed. It. 1980 World Series champion. I'll say that's Schmidt. That it was, was the Schmidt Phillies. The Phillies. Right? And then, uh, I mean, yeah, then these ones will be harder to guess. 1981, the Dodgers won it. Their third baseman was Ron Say. Say. Oh, yeah. Okay. 1986, the Mets won the World Series. That would be Ray Knight, right? Yep. Yeah. Charles Ray Knight. Yeah. 1986. 1998, the Yankees won it. And 98? their third baseman. 98. Wait, don't. Okay. 98. So that wouldn't have been the year that Boggs played for them. Mm-mm. 98 would have been Scott Brocious. Scott Brocious. Okay. Yes. I didn't realize he was World Series MVP. That's yeah. crazy. In 98, he was. Jesus. Uh, two home runs in game three and a 471 okay. batting average. That's wild. Uh, 02. Uh, 02 is the not the Marlins. 02 was the Angels. 02 is Troy Gloss. Troy Gloss, yes. Three home runs, eight, eight RBIs in 2002. 2007. On the Don't say it. Don't say it. 2007 was... Uh, and a little bit of an underwhelming, I guess, performance, just looking at his stats. Oh, really? He had a one home run and four RBIs, but a 400 batting average. It's kind of a weird choice. 07. Yeah. Oh, God. 07 was the... God, hang on. The Red Sox? Yes, it was the Red Sox. Oh, man, these years are tough. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to remember who played third base for the Red Sox in 07. 
Mike Lowell. Oh, Mike Lowell. Mike Lowell. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, Mike Lowell. Lowell. Yes, Mike All Lowell. Right. And the final right. two. Actually, I skipped over 1993 because he on. played like 93 three different positions in the series. Is it the Blue Jays? Uh, no, the, uh, Wait. the Twins. In 93? 93 was the Twins, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure 93 was the Blue Jays, dog. He was. Oh, yeah, he was He was a Blue Jay. Sorry, I was thinking of him. He played Mike for the Twins. Ed Sprague? No. I don't know. Who was it? It was Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor played third base? He played first base, DH, and third base, oh, apparently. okay. Yeah. You say so. He had 12 hits, batted 500 All right. in the 93 World Series. And then in, uh, uh, it was 2011 and 12, third baseman. Well, one of them was David Freeze, right? Was with St. Louis. David Freeze in 2011. And then 2012, and then 2012. This guy for the San Francisco Giants hit three home runs in game one. Oh, um, uh, Pablo Sandoval, right? Pablo Sandoval was the World Series MVP in 2012. Oh, man. All right. All right. Very good. Tubular is brought to you by Superbook. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up at Superbook.com or download the Superbook app, and you will get a same-day first bet match up to $250. Win or lose. I don't think the number has moved yet for the Ravens, right? It's still sitting at two and a half, if I remember correctly. I will double-check mm. on that right now. And the number has not moved still. Ravens, two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road Sunday. We'll see. Maybe that injury report comes out and they get some bodies back and that number moves. So maybe you want to jump in on it now before that were to be the case. Two-and-a-half is the number. The Maryland number has ticked up. It's now 14-and-a-half. All right? Yeah, all right. 14-and-a-half after Griffin was like, I'm racing to put that number in. 14-and-a-half, now the number for Maryland against Indiana. Uh, again, use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up at Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. Orioles could clinch tonight. It's possible, although we were really hoping that that B lineup that the Rays put out there was going to get him a chance last yeah, night. They almost did. Yeah, they tried to blow it late, yeah. but held on for a 9-7 win. Uh, Orioles, 6.30 on Masson for Patrick Corbin and Grayson Rodriguez. Nationals, Orioles, the Nats broadcast on Masson, too. And then the Rays and the Red Sox start again at 6 on ESPN+. Plus. So should it play out the way that you want, you should know that result before the Orioles game is over because that game starts at 6, so there could be some celebration. I'll be there tonight. Uh, that'd be neat. It'd be really neat if it worked out that way. If not, it's going to happen tomorrow. So, you know, yeah. all good. Uh, as long as they keep winning, I guess I should say that, right? Uh, Loyola Soccer against Bucknell tonight at 7 on ESPN+. Maryland Volleyball taking on Rutgers at 6 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Everything else, uh, I guess the U.S. Open Cup final, I, I assume that Messi's playing for Inter-Miami against Houston Dynamo at 8.30 on CBS Sports Network. Everything else, find at glennclarkradio.com. Anything? It was uh, David LaRoche, by the way, was the, the David closer LaRoche, okay. pitching for Cleveland right. when Brooks hit his uh, final home run. Thank you. Uh, Survivor, season 45 premiere very, tonight. You get very excited about this. Tonight. It is Wednesday. He's still in. 45 seasons later. <laughs> Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Might Joe have Buck. to quiz you on who won yeah. what season at some point. I, I don't think they'll be pushing these celebrity you know, game shows as much anymore, but Celebrity Wheel of Fortune tonight at 9. Joe ah. Buck. Joe Buck is sure. going to be on Wheel of Fortune. Sure. Uh, Snake Oil, new series on Fox, which I don't think, again, we won't have to push, but they were pushing at the Oriole game. Man. Oh, that was the, right. This, this is, is the, the, is this real or is this? David yeah. Spade, yes, hosts. Yeah. And yeah, is it real or is it know. Snake Oil? And celebrities help random people. Sure, sure. Uh, it is the on the Fox Business Channel the GOP presidential debate number two. Uh, but except for the guy that's going to win, um, yeah, <laughs> the, win I guess. the the, the yeah. nomination. Yeah. I don't know who's going to win the election, but 
And uh, on Netflix, a short is uh, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Uh, it's a forty-minute like short film directed uh, and written by Wes Anderson, and okay. it looks really good. I mean, well, it's Wes Anderson, so it looks like actually cool. And Benedict Cumberbatch, Ben Kingsley are in it, huh. and uh, it uh-huh. looks really well done and interesting. With this, right, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Um, thanks today to uh, really to Bobby Gritch. Yeah. That was that was unbelievable. Laura Lippman was wonderful. Of course, Ken Singleton. Al Bumbry, Scott Garceau, Ross Grimsley. We will get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com, as well as Jeff Newman talking about the Maryland Five Star. And uh, the Tyus Bowser show is already available there with special guest Michael Pierce. Uh, tomorrow, we will. Is Ian Eagle tomorrow? Yes. Ian yes. Eagle's going to join Eagle us. Tomorrow. He's on the Busy call. Show I love Ian Eagle. That's very exciting. Also tomorrow, Sean Greeley from Maryland Football as they get ready from Indiana. We'll do picks tomorrow with KZ. Is there something else Stuff, tomorrow? Uh, yeah, yes. Oh, We're Marty Smith is tomorrow, right? Uh, yes, yes, Marty Smith Marty is Smith tomorrow Marty Smith well. from ESPN is mm-hmm. joining us tomorrow. He's got a new book out. Boy, that is a busy day tomorrow. Yeah. And that's if we don't have other things going on, too. Yeah. All right, well, you know, hey. Maybe we're doing shows to 1 o'clock the rest of the week, <laughs> man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Might uh, be buckling in for 1 o'clock shows. Segment two of the Tyus Bowser yes. show tomorrow as well. Uh, don't forget that uh, your to- local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, we always appreciate them. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, thanks to Griffin. Uh, some hard work putting the show together. Um, you know, good work today. Appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, every other day. Yeah, <laughs> so-so. Uh, at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, see you at the game tonight. And Rita will be on. I'm sorry. I won't be over there. I'm going to the game. But Rita will be on tonight on 105.7 The Fan. So check her out. Have a great Wednesday night. Go, birds. Go. Oh, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I can't say those words. Go that team yeah, that plays in Boston. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You won't get me to say that, but it, it would be nice <laughs> if it worked out that way. Uh, uh, Duke sucks. Here is segment number one from last night at Guilford Hall Brewery, Tyus Bowser Show with Michael Pierce. And welcome out to the Tyus Bowser Show press box and 105.7 The Fan. Glenn Clark, Rita Hubbard. We are live at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. And, of course, the star of our show is our friend, Mr. Tyus Bowser. Hello, hello, hello. Glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. Great to see you, buddy. Uh, I gotta, you got to tell me about this. This was sharp with, like, the pink and the... Yeah. I love that. So I got it from Miami. And you know how Miami is with it all is. the crazy colors. So they had, I guess, like a special you know, addition or something that they only sell in Miami as far as the color. So man. I was like, man, I, I'm kind of feeling this a little I think purple that looks in there nice, too, bro. So. I think that looks yeah. nice. That looks sharp. It worked well. It worked well. All right. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by our friends at Superbook. You can use the code GlennClark23. That's glenclark two three. When you sign up at superbook.com or download the Superbook app, and you will get a same-day first bet match, win or lose, up to $250. That's Glenn Clark 23 at superbook.com or download the Superbook app. Tyus, you want to introduce us to your special guest tonight? Yeah, man. This is one of my favorite guys on the team, a guy that I definitely respect a ton. You know, we've been through the ins and outs. You know, we've had... You know, the moments to kind of just get to know each other. And, you know, this is like a brother to me. And, you know, he holds our defensive line down, you know, probably the strongest, most 
athletic big man that I've probably ever seen. We're gonna that talk guy about is Michael that. Pierce. Yeah. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank you. Before before we start, we gotta ask you, Michael, what's it like being back here? I mean, obviously, yet last year was your first year back, but you were injured. So now you're back. What's it like being back in Baltimore after a couple of years being removed? Uh, it's just like coming back home. Um, spent my first four years here. Those are great four years. Um, got to play with some amazing people like Tyus, like Terrell Suggs, like Brandon. Um, just being looked up to as a leader now uh, in year eight versus, you know, my first four is, is different. But um, it's a challenge that I'm uh, growing into. Um, like I said, I had Calais Salino last year, and uh, now it's up to me. Guys like Tyus, obviously, uh, we got some good young guys, but um, no, nah, it's just like coming home, and uh, for me, that's been a big blessing. See, Rita, I was convinced that Tyus wanted to bring out Mike this week because last week when Rashad was here, he called him Uncle Clean, <laughs> so I thought that maybe he was just looking for somebody that was older than him this week so he no. didn't have to deal no, with it definitely not anymore. Not I it. thought... That might have been what happened. That's, that's not, not the case. No, are that's you not sure? The case. I'm very sure. So, some right balancing of the, in, of, the, of the age groups here. Nah, man, Because nah. <laughs> I feel like we're kind of closer to, like, the millennials, you know. Yeah, Rash man. Rashad is Gen Z for sure, right? Definitely, definitely Gen Z. <laughs> definitely. But, so, <laughs> we got a few vets still, so I'm going to try to bring them out. But he's definitely one of them. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's not, uh, let's not pussyfoot around it. I mean, what is up with that weather, right? Like, it's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Gosh. Where is it coming from, honestly? It's awful. We Where gotta, is it coming from? I have no idea. I thought it was just a tropical storm for a couple of days. It won't go away. Yeah, <laughs> man. I'm not, I'm not liking none of this at all. You know, I, I need that, you know, 79, clear skies. I need that back. I thought we came to an agreement. Like, I thought we, in the, in the contract we did for year three, I thought we put in the deal that you guys are going to win on the Sunday before shows. Like, Amen. I thought that was... That was... And that we started off good, too. We, we started, started off great. Good. We started off great, man. But, you know, it's the NFL. You got to understand that, you know, you could play... You could have the best players. You could be a great team. And, you know, you can always find... You know, you can always come up short. And, you know, unfortunately, that was the case for us. And, you know, it sucks because, you know, as a team, I felt like we played hard, you know, especially as a defense. You know, we did the best that we could you know, dealing with the situation that came up. But overall, overall as a team, man, we had, the, we had the opportunity to win, but we just came up short. It's what it is. Yeah. These things happen. We know it. Um, I, I wonder if you're capable. And I don't know what the conversation has been like these last couple of days. Because, Mike, we talked to Tyus a lot about, like, how he processes, how he handles going through losing. You're pretty deep in your career. I imagine it probably doesn't impact you the same way today that it did when you were, like, 20. But... Were you guys able to take a big picture? Like, hey man, we were without 10 guys for this game, 10 starters, and it still took, like, a miracle for it to go the wrong way. It, is it easier to process when you can come up with those circumstances, or do you find yourself saying, like, nah, man, I, I, those, those are excuses. We're not doing that. I would say no. Um, like I said, we always say next man up. That's what we wholeheartedly believe. But also, you got to think, just like we have injuries, those guys have injuries. Anthony Richardson was not on yeah. the football field. Uh, their center, Ryan Kelly, was not on the football field. So, um, like I said, each and every team could use injuries as an excuse from different week to week. But, um, like I said, if we want to be where we want to be at the end of the season, you got to capitalize on those opportunities. And 
Unfortunately, we didn't on Sunday. But um, like I said, we missing Marlon and all those different guys. You can always use that as an excuse. But um, at the end of the day, they don't look at who was missing when you played them, just the final record. So, When you see how the game obviously played out and, and it's a loss, how are you able to just say, hey, on to Cleveland? Or is it, you know, sometimes in the way that you lose, you just feel like, it lingers. Like, are you able to just compartmentalize it and just say, you know, hey, it's it's not, it's it's a marathon. It's it's not a quick race. Or or does sometimes or do we need to stay away from you, you for like forty eight hours? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want me to answer? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, I think being you know eight years in the league, you definitely have those times where you kind of let things linger. But that's when those losing streaks really happen. So I think Coach Harbs does a great job of. Recapping everything on days like today, you get that Monday off. You get to kind of lick your wounds, uh, watch a film, see what you could have did better. And then, you know, we come in and, you know, they start to pick out different things that each guy has to improve on. So um, if you let those things linger, you can end up in a two or three game losing streak in a heartbeat, and especially with, you know, how Cleveland is playing on defense, how they're starting to come together on offense. You don't want to have those feelings or those uh, regrets go on to the next week. Do you remember, Altias, I'll start with you, because I don't think we talked. Do you remember if there was, like, one moment in your life that changed how you handled, like, losing a football game? That at an age, you were like, man, I didn't handle it well. But after this one, for some reason, I, like, realized it, it's not the end of the world. As Mike talked about, like, you got to be moving. Do you remember if there was a moment that changed the way that you had that perspective? I think there was a lot of games that, you know, that moment happened. You know, especially being a young guy, you know, you're just so used to winning, so used to, you know, being around good teams where, you know, you finish, you find ways to win, and, you know, the unfortunate happens, and, you know, it was definitely a process, but I'm trying to think of the certain game, but I just know for sure um, I have to understand that, you know, you have to figure it out, understand what went wrong, and you really just have to move on, you know, and that's just how the league go because, you know, next week they don't care. You know, whether you play good or bad, like they just know that they're going to have to line up in front no of you that next week and you got to be ready. So um, I can't really just think of a, of a certain game, but I know that I've had, you know, my moments where I maybe miss, you know, a sack or an interception or whatever the case may be to where, you know, it was just it was just in my mind the whole For, time. Yeah, right. Yeah. You can't stop thinking about that. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, you know. And neither, and neither can we. we. We actually hold it. Man, we're still weeks later. Rita's like, I can't believe he dropped that pick. I'm so mad at him. Yeah, you know, it's, so it's still there. Him. But, it you know, right there. you got to continue to move on. So that's just how it's got to be. It is the Tyus Bowser Show with Michael Pierce, Press Box 105.7, The Fan. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, you can get free confidential services by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or visiting helpmygamblingproblem.org. So we talked about how you guys have been around for a little bit, right? Like, Mike, you came in 16 yep. and Tyus in 17. Um, Tyus, I'll start with you. I wonder if you could talk about, like, because you guys are at this point, I know Mike, you know, had a little departure there for a minute, but as tenured as just about anybody here not named Justin Tucker, right? right. Like, how has your relationship, like, grown over the years? And what have you seen in Mike and how he, how he went from undrafted had to prove everything, nobody knew who he was, to now is, you know, we talked about, become one of the true veteran, like, stalwarts of this defense. Yeah, I mean, I can just go back to my first year, and um, 
just the coaches kind of just talking about his story and especially, you know, during preseason when, you know, guys is fighting for a job spot and they always bring up his story and how he used that last game to, you know, decide his destiny. And, you know, just that right there was an influence for me to just, you know, take advantage of every moment because you just never know when that opportunity comes. And, you know, I just try to inspire these young guys as well, you know, during training camp, just speaking to the young ones, just to let them know that, man, every time you're on that field, each snap matters. And coach kind of pointed that out too, as far as when it comes to games that you just never know when that one play can decide whether you win or lose that week. And from there, it's like, man, this between you having a job and changing your life and being able to provide for your family, represent your city, or just fighting to, you know, try to get on the roster spot or make the team, whatever the case may be. So just for him, just hearing this story and just seeing how hard he worked, just seeing the type of guy he is, the leader he is, um, you know, it helps me because he's sort of a quiet guy just like me. Hmm. You know, he's very to himself. But one thing he's going to do is work. One thing he's going to do is be a leader. He's going to, you know, express himself whenever he needs to, whenever he wants to. And from there, man, it, you know, you got to have, have guys like that. And, you know, I have a ton of respect for this guy, man. And, you know, each and every day, you know, it's a blessing being able to work beside him. It's cool, man. It's that's, very nice. It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. Dude, oh, would you, would thank you, you like very to, much, man. Yeah. Would you <laughs> like to return the favor? Would you, you, you like to say something? <laughs> yeah, of course. So I, I really hope Mike just says, like, yeah, Tyus is cool. <laughs> no, 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 no. So interestingly enough, as we were driving down here, I told my wife, I said, I never thought Tyus would have this radio show or just a radio show. Um, so he, did everyone else in his so life. So did everyone else. And Tyus else. included, by the way. <laughs> yeah, me as well. I think <laughs> my first, I, my, yeah, so... Your first four, I was there for three of them. The first two years, I didn't hear him talk much at all, like at all. Um, and just to see how he's grown, to see how he's become, you know, a mainstay here. So when he got here, Terrell Suggs was still here. Judon was still here. Z was still here, which we about to play him wow. on Sunday. So, um, you know, having to fight his way into the guy that they drafted him to be. And then, you know, over COVID, I got to sit out and watch him make big plays, those interceptions that come to mind. Um, it's just amazing to see, man. So you never know where a guy's career can end up. Like I played with, uh, you know, Bronson Kafusi was a third-round pick. Kalama mm -hmm. Kalea was a second-round pick. Those guys, you know, had different career paths. But you just never know how any guy's career may end up. So um, to see him fight back from an Achilles injury, which a lot of people don't do too well, um, to fight back, I'm sure he's going to play well when he gets back now. So, um, no, this guy's a warrior. Um, like I said, he's grown so much. It's, like, literally insane. Like, I promise you, I, if you would have asked me a million-dollar bet back in 2017, 2018, would Tyus Bowser have any kind of media show or anything, <laughs> I would have lost a million dollars, 100%. But, no, man, it's, it's, it's exciting to see how he's grown and, like I said, to see how he's mentoring guys and um, just being a leader in his own way, just kind of like I do myself. So, um, no, nah, man, like I said, he's a, he's, a, he's a pillar in our organization, and I, I think everybody knows it. That's, that's awesome. Beautiful, that is awesome. Right? Beautiful words. I appreciate it. All right. So, so both of you guys at this point are pillars of the organization as the older guys at this point, right? So do you guys get any compensation for being mm. veterans. So in the past, you know, young guys used to get the, the vets. Did you get vets chicken on the fly? I mean, oh, back yeah, in the day? Everybody has to okay, do right. Certainly, so certainly. so do you what what do you guys get now that you're the vets and they're the young guys? 
I mean, it could be just like simple stuff, you know, whether it's, you know, getting some body work done, you know, just letting the rookie like, hey man, rook, like get out of the way, you know, or when it comes to food, like asking like, yo, I need you to grab me some food from the cafeteria or <laughs> give me some snacks, like Does get on Zay Amazon. Does have to do this too? Yeah, he got to do that too. Absolutely. For his respective room, for, his, for the yeah. wide receiver. Oh, wide receiver okay, so, yeah. so the, it, it's based on the position. Yeah, in terms the of what they part. do for their but even so, even so, like they understand we're vets as well. So if there was just some case where we needed some or asked for some, I'm pretty sure that you know, I want to know what just the out of respect. Hang on, like if you need like an oil change, can you like go up to Malik I mean, we ain't and be like, bro, run over to Jiffy Lube for me? I'm Honestly, I probably wouldn't even ask him to do that for me. But, but like, would it be expected if? Nah, I know oil change. I don't want them driving my car. Exactly, man. So I, I drive a nice car. I don't, I don't yeah. want nobody in my car. Besides I don't know me. what kind of insurance they have. So exactly. they ain't driving my car. At that age, I don't know if they even got insurance, man. Oh no! Nah, but yeah, but nah, it's a Malik's our guy. We love Malik. Nah, we love. that's my guy. That's yeah, my guy. right. We love Malik. <laughs> Um, but no, they, like that's still we, we we know it's not we don't do hazing like we know that's but it's just sort of part of team initiation right like it's Certainly. part of we want you to get to know these other guys and it's part of sort of the way things work and these things still exist in some form or fashion. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like even just a guy like T. Rob, where you know a rookie, but. You know, he's always willing to help out in any type of way. If you ask him for something, he's going to go and do it, you know, without any hesitation. But at the same time, we, we respect them as well as men. You know, we're not just going to go out here and ask for nothing crazy. But, you know, simple stuff, he's always willing to work out. And is it know? just for, like, the rookie year? Or if, if you're the yeah. low man on the totem pole in, like, the group, no matter how long? Yeah, it's normally just for the rookies, man. Okay. Normally for the rookies. All right. Yeah. That's the way that it works after yeah. that. Then you're good. Then you're good. Then you're good. Do you ever try to have fun with it, like, roll something out there, like Puff Daddy asking for, like, you know, you to walk to Brooklyn to get some cheesecake. Do you ever <laughs> attempt on, to roll Glenn. something out there just to mess I, with them? I've like, honestly never even thought about it, you know? I really wish but you would. I think you bringing up, a, you bringing right? up something like, good, man. I might have to think about something. Like yeah, I think, like, Terrell Suggs and, like, Steve Smith used to do yes. some... Crazy stuff. More unorthodox. Okay, uh, wait, wait, wait. I have some more unorthodox <laughs> but you, Hang on, because you guys both come from, what was the one that when you were on the other side of it? Like, Mike, in 20s, I don't know who the guys, I'm trying to, who would have been the guys in 2016? That um, you, my vets were Brandon and Lawrence Guy. Okay, all right. So what was, like, the craziest thing that you had to do during the, because I think, mm, I think we went to Indianapolis at, I think that was tight. We went somewhere, um, and somebody forgot their headphones. I had to go, like, find the best You buy. had to go out the best buy. Yeah, that was a mess. I got lost, and I almost missed the team meeting, but God had my back, man. Did you, so, like, hop in an Uber or something and go? I mean, I walked. They was like, yo, no. just down the street, just go walk. And then I, I think the one I went to was further than... You know, like sometimes your phone doesn't calibrate all the way. Right. So it sent me a little further than I should have went. Or it sent you to the wrong Best Buy. And like I you. went, I, I walked there, but I got an Uber back and barely made it. But I got the job done. <laughs> Taz, what about you? I mean, my rookie year, like you said, it was, you know, Terrell Suggs, oh Matt Judon, oh, yeah. Zadarius Smith. Oh. You know, those guys are just characters yes. in their own perspectives. But uh, luckily, they didn't have to, you know, they didn't ask me to do nothing crazy. But uh, I would probably say um, I had to just bring up food. I just had to bring food on the plane. 
and you know they their orders would be you know crazy mm -hmm. like just asking for you know a seven piece wing with one leg in there or <laughs> you know these crazy these crazy flavors and stuff and it's been like twice where I was literally the last guy like chasing for the plane before I <laughs> didn't make trying it. To track down yeah, the trying to track down the chicken, trying to, <laughs> and they be telling me last minute, like two hours before the flight leaves, like, yo, I need you to, I need you to order this chicken. And I'm like, bro, I gotta go home. I gotta get packed. I gotta get my stuff together. I, yeah, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said they put in a Popeye's order and like, you know, we all love Popeye's, but like, you never know what yeah. it is they're handing you in that bag. Yeah. Especially if you it want that spicy. Be. If you Anything. want that spicy, you gonna have to wait. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, whoever it was was like, like an idiot. I didn't check the order when I picked it up, and it was the exact same scenario. Got to the plane, it was the wrong order. They said, "You better go back out and get oh, some more." Wow, Popeyes. that's tough. Nah. <laughs> it was scrambling, man. Nah, I would have so. had to just take. Whatever yeah, you're gonna deal with it, right? You, you know got what, what you got. Got to deal with that. that <laughs> yeah, hey, everybody, make some noise to Tyus Bowser, Michael Pierce, please. <laughs> This Sunday, you can join Super Bowl 35 champion Dwayne Starks at the grand opening of the Green Turtle Sportsbook in Canton from 11 a.m. until kickoff at 1 p.m. And on Saturday, October 21st, you can join Super Bowl 47 champion Marshall Yonda at Wise Markets in Nottingham for a very special autograph signing to benefit breast cancer awareness. You can find out more about both events at facebook.com slash great eights memorabilia with the number eight and great8smemorabilia.com. All right, when we come back in, a couple things that like we never cleaned up. You went to the White House, which is crazy. We're going to find out about that. And Michael had a bit more of an eventful offseason. There was something more significant that happened with him in the offseason. So we're going to talk about that next. Press Box 1057, The Fan. It's the Tyus Bowser Show.